see, some people think I'm a complete nutcase conspiracy theorist. Okay. I believe truly we're living in two Americas now. I truly believe that. Okay. I believe one of the Americas is extremely binded together. And then I believe the other side is completely binded together. Unfortunately, I think those two, those two Americas are enemies. Dadgum, boy, you got you a blog. Greetings, Earthling. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Saturday, April 9th, 2016. It is a rainy day in Southern California. We don't get many of these, and with the drought, we're thankful for the precipitation, but it sure makes it difficult to drive with all these weirdos on the road. Taking the long trip from where I live to see my buddy Nathan Martell back in the neighborhood thereabouts that I grew up. And it's it's bittersweet. I haven't seen my good buddy Nathan Martell in a while. Although we do keep in touch regularly via social media. Um, Nathan is actually a marketer for a clothing company called Bed Stew. And he also is an entrepreneur. His clothing company is called Efficacy Clothing. Check them out. He is also a philanthropist. He's got two charities that he's very active with. Um, I believe they are both benefiting Haiti. I'm going to put links in the description so you can check them out and support them which I know you're going to want to after you hear what he has to say. Um, I've known Nathan since we were literally six years old. We went to the same school for kindergarten. It was a small private school. And I've known him all the way up through high school, adulthood. Uh, We've done business together. And now um we mourn the loss of a friend this one time when we were 12 years old and he spent the night at my house and he woke me up in the middle of the night and dared us to eat an entire jar of pickles (laughs) i said and i said we're so rebellious back then (laughs) (laughs) um his best friend of 25 years josh hart passed away this week and i'm so incredibly sorry for their loss and i did mention this on the last episode I found out on Facebook that he passed away, and shocking, you know, we're, we're young, we're in our early to mid-30s, and, and friends are passing away, and he was a father, he leaves kids behind, um, his parents are devastated, his, his siblings are devastated, and we are all sending our positive vibes prayers, condolences, and thoughts to the Hart family as they go through this difficult time. Um, But our conversation today is about politics, mostly. Nathan is very informed. He's very active in the discussion. In his own words, he loves to piss people off. If you check out his posts on social media, they're very 
deliberate, they're very targeted, but they come from a place of informed knowledge. And I really, I love the way he thinks. He's a, he's a rebel at heart. He's got very little regard for the status quo or the system as people would have you believe it to be. He's an independent thinker. He's a professed conservative libertarian. And we go through and discuss the various scenarios for the 2016 presidential race. And he's got a lot of facts and he's got a lot of opinions that I really wanted to share with you guys. So pay attention, uh, take notes. If you get nothing else from this episode, it's that you should be informed. You should be involved in the political process because everything is political from the local level to the national level to the international level. And if you want to learn a little something about e-commerce and the way that our economy is headed, he is also a great source of information for that as well. So, with no further ado, please welcome to the show Mr. Nathan Martell. When I was coming over here, I was talking to my buddy Chris, like, yeah, I'm going to see Nathan. And uh, and I don't know why, but in my circle of friends, you had the reputation of being the straight edge guy. Yeah, I you know? was the straight edge oh, kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's well-deserved, yeah. and it's I always respected that about you, that you didn't judge your friends for what they're doing, no, but you care. had your, you know, your values that you held on to that you wouldn't compromise for. Yeah. So I don't give a crap how anyone else do anything. You don't. And that, I feel like that's something that we had in common, not on the straight edge part, but we were like rebels in our own yeah. groups. Like we didn't really have like, oh, I'm a jock. Yeah. Or, I still threw the parties at my house. Yeah. I just didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care. Just, I just was never into it. Yeah. I was just never into it. Like, I don't know why. I just never had an interest. So, I mean, I've smoked pot in my day. I did when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And it was because, like, I was just like, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to see what it's like. I don't have anything morally against it. Mm-hmm. So I did it. It's okay. That's about it. Never really did anymore. But I don't care. What makes you immune to peer pressure? Even at, going back, flashing back to high school. I don't practice Santeria. Uh, I've always... There's always been something in me mm-hmm. that's loved to be rebellious. Yeah. I don't know what it is, and it's still to this day. Yeah. Like, if something's super popular, I want to bash it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't even matter if I actually deep down like it. I just want to <laughs> bash it. So, that's all it was. Like, there, I just have this weird rebellious thing in me. Yeah. And I think it came from being part of the punk rock culture. Sure. Um, but... I don't know, still to this day, that's why I always love making fun of celebrities. Mm-hmm. I love all that stuff. Counterculture. I just, I love it. I don't know why. And it's not, I mean, it's against authority, but it's against the popular. It's not even so much, it's authority, because I don't have an issue with authority, because I believe in law and order. Yeah. Um, it's actually more about 
it's actually just like more mainstream like pop culture and stuff than anything. Um, which is why I listen to like death metal. Yeah. Because that's weird. <laughs> and I like that. I like that that's super weird. Yeah. Uh So, I don't know where it started. Well, if you, if you had to, well, for, first of all, proper introduction. So, you do marketing for a... Yeah, for Bed Stew Shoes. Okay. And we are a, a shoe company. <laughs> if, let's say I run a foundation or a company, yep. and I meet you at a convention, we're riding the elevator together, and it's like, oh, so, so what are you about? What's your little, your spiel? Like, I'm so... For the brand or for in general? For, for, the, for the brand and in general. Okay, if you want me to give you the cookie cutter answer, yeah. I run e-commerce marketing and strategic digital marketing mm-hmm. for the footwear brand. We handle the social media marketing, we mm-hmm. handle email campaigns, all imagery, photo shoots, the whole spiel. Anything that you see visually wise for the brand or anything to do with the website in general, okay. that's me. Got it. And you like that? Oh yeah, it's the fun part. Perfect fit for your personality. Oh think? yeah, creativity. But I'm not. I'm not a freaking photographer. I'm not a. I'm not an artist. Yeah. I'm a marketer. Yeah. But I love the fact that I got freedom and I can pretty much. I don't have to be in an office because half my job relies on being outside the office. That's a big deal. Oh hell yeah. For someone like you and me who, not I'm not gonna say doesn't care for authority, but doesn't care for structure. Yeah. Needs to be free for points of personal expression and just lifestyle. So if somebody offered me a nine to five job, I would be like, no way. But then if they said, well, you get to set your own hours or be outside the office, then I would be open. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with nine to five per se. Technically, I'm, I guess if you had, there's sometimes I go into the office at nine and leave at five. Yeah. I mean, that happens. I mean, um, but I mean, when you, especially when you handle all social media and stuff like that, you're on the clock 24 hours a day. Right. So I have to, it's always fun. My my girlfriend telling me to get off my damn phone, but I don't have an option sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then you're doing events on the weekends. You do a lot of shooting. You do a lot of networking events and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's part of the gig. So it goes beyond nine to five. Mm-hmm. But like if I have an event on a freaking Friday night or Wednesday night, then I leave work at like noon, go do my stuff that I got to do during the day and then mm-hmm. go to the event. So now, so on a personal side, let's say we, it's been what? 20 years since we were in high school. Dude, 16. Well, 16, 16 years. years, 15 years. On the downward slide to 20. Yeah. So Weird. So let's let's pretend that it's the 15-year reunion. Uh-huh. There's no social media. No one's seen you. How do you go back and, and reintroduce yourself? What an interesting question. To somebody that you haven't seen in 15 well, years. Well, considering I do social media, if there's no social media, I don't you really have a job. They, just that they don't have social media. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I handle... Wait, what would I say for my job? No, no, no. Just personal life. Like these are like Ooh, friends, people that you used to see every day at That's an interesting question. Because um, I wanted to hit you with the, with the professional question and now with the That's an interesting question. question. Yeah. Oh, well... I'd what say have you first. Been up to last fifteen years, uh, pissing people off mostly. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's a, good, that's a good. That's a good question, yeah. man. That's an interesting question. I've never been asked that before. That's I make the big bucks. Dude, apparently, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, I spend a lot of time. I'm really in. I really am fascinated yeah. by. Um, I don't, I don't use the word turn politics, okay. but I'm fascinated with how, as a marketer, since I do marketing, I'm fascinated by cultural perception of things yes. and how people perceive ideas and stuff like that. Um, so I spend a lot of time because 
as a marketer, the, I'm, all I'm doing is analyzing how people perceive information. And there's no bigger marketing on the planet than politics. So I spend a lot of time uh, paying a lot of attention just going into that. So um, That's I would true. almost when I walked in, you were watching yeah. CNN. Yeah, and I don't I don't freaking buy into any of it. Yeah, but you want to um, know what's going on? Because here's the thing: is some people think like if I turn on CNN, I'm going to get the true story. Well, no, that's not true. Sure. Because that's only true if that person or who, the person who wrote the content is completely impartial. It doesn't exist. It's impossible to be completely impartial because everybody has views on something. Yeah. Especially if you're informed, like if you literally have no opinion. The only way you can have no opinion is to be completely uninformed. It's the only way to be completely moderate. Uh, I'm not saying they do a bad job of it, but I mean, the reality is you're not going to get the whole story. So you got to, so I just like to watch a couple different things to see. Your first thing out of your mouth was pissing people off, which Mm, I love. I love that. Because if you guys, if the listeners don't know, Nathan is notorious for for being on Facebook and writing the most inflammatory post to get a reaction out of somebody. Yeah. You know, I know you're not serious most of the time. There's, there's a bit of seriousness. Well, I could, I could always make it. I could always structure how I write it. Yeah. In a completely non-confrontational way. Right. I purposely do it in an extremely confrontational way. Right. I throw something in there that's going to tick somebody off. Yeah. I do that on purpose. Like I could say, I could, you can make a point. You can make a great point that is non-offensive. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no fun in that. <laughs> of course not. You can do that all day long. I could. You can pick any topic. You can pick any topic. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how controversial the topic is. Mm-hmm. You can say an opinion and be extremely delicate about it. Doesn't matter whether Super it's gay marriage. Yeah. You can do it with abortion. That's not my style. I'm just saying you can. Yeah. But <laughs> that's what you want. That do. ain't the route I choose. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what's super interesting to me is I've, I've known you since kindergarten. Like we said, there's nobody that I know in my life that I keep in touch with that has known me for so long. Mm-hmm. So we had a similar upbringing as far as environment and as far as the people that we were exposed to. But then we went our different ways in life. And now I would say that we have extremely different opinions about the political process. Yeah. Okay. But we're civil about how we discuss it. And when you put your troll posts up there, I often respond. <laughs> and I have something equally witty and inflammatory to say. And I think that that's missing in today's social media landscape. People on different ends of the spectrum having civil conversations. Well, the problem with social media in general is it detaches you from actual people. Yeah. So like you and I... We have a personal relationship. Yeah. So anytime you have a personal relationship that you value, that person relationship always comes before an opinion. Right. So people can have civil discourse, but the problem is everybody can throw out opinions with having no connection to people. Right. So that creates, so that makes the issue way more important than the, more important than the person. So you create so much hate because the only interaction these people have are based off of a dissenting opinion right. online with no personal relationship. Right, right. So I have, I, I have a lot of friends that have extremely dissenting opinions that I talk to on a regular basis. We, we text all day long. We're friends. But that's because we put the relationship before the political view. Right. Because I would say a, an educated person, mm-hmm. and I hate using that term because that makes you sound so snarky and elitist. smug and elitist, but a person who's actually 
educated on the process, and I'm not saying I'm educated because I hate how condescending that sounds. They understand that you understand that there are dissenting opinions. You understand that political ideology is completely about dissenting opinions. Sure. So it comes part of the game. See, the problem is too many people... The good thing and the bad thing about the internet is it gave everybody opinion. It's great that everybody has an opinion. It's also terrible that everybody has an opinion. It is. It's terrible sometimes that I can have an opinion. <laughs> That's the truth. So, but a lot of people don't understand because now everybody doesn't matter you if you don't know literally anything. People just repost memes or whatever based on it sounds good. True. That's just how the world works. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you're creating tension without understanding um, the effects of what you're actually posting. Right. See, I know the effects I'm posting. I understand that they're inflammatory. These are calculated. These are very calculated. I understand right. that it's going to raise heat. Right. But that's why I always make, I, I do my best to always make a point mm -hmm. that I never, ever come back with condescending remarks, calling names, or anything like that. That's now, true. I am, I mean, there's no doubt about it, sarcasm is my forte. It's your favorite? That's my favorite thing in the world. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, for two reasons. First of all, sarcasm, well, see, because you, you, we, you used the word troll earlier. Yeah. Earlier. Well, trolls, what we call trolls these days, are just people that are like, you know, wanting to get a rise or, you know, it's also the people that um, will like troll a, like you have a liberal trolling a conservative page or a conservative trolling a liberal page right. to just throw a, uh, a dissenting opinion out that they know is going to piss everybody off. Right. That doesn't technically mean they're wrong. But it's the intent. It's the intent. It's the intent. And now whether it's right or wrong, I mean, you can get into morality and all that good stuff. But that's a different. That's a different conversation all today. And so what I, what I'm hearing is so the internet gave everybody a voice. Yep. And unfortunately, for many, that voice is anonymous when it comes to comment sections or people hiding behind a yep. profile that doesn't represent who they really are. Yep. And then people, quote unquote, educated or not look at the conversation and see the back and forth discourse and your my 140 characters is your 140 characters the weight is equal unfortunately yes. unfortunately unfortunately and, and you know it's and it's 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 entertaining because you know um i love what i love here thing and, and this is some of this people like always get mad at what i talk about you know we love to make fun of politicians we love to call them idiots we yeah. love to call them and all this stuff any, you have any idea what would happen if they did what we do to each other in the comment section? Like, Don't they, though? No, not in the slightest. They can't do that. They can't do anything that we do on a daily basis. Yeah. No, my gosh. If, freaking, if any of them came out and called anybody a bad name in public to each other, oh, my gosh. I feel like it's more polite, but it's, it's in the same spirit. Like when you're in a courtroom. Uh, well, here's the thing is, yeah, but then that goes back to like an educated person can yeah. can do, the answer is it all depends. Yeah. Because an educated person can can make fun of you and you don't know that they're making fun of you. Yeah. So like um, they're very calculated people. Um, they're very calculated people. They know when they got to make a statement and they know when not to make a statement. Mm -hmm. um, we We pretend to hate 
we, we, we pretend to be disgusted by politics that is inflammatory, bashing people, mm-hmm. and we all do it all day, every day. Yeah. We, we, we're so full of crap. We pretend like it actually bothers us. Then you go around and you just call every person bad name who disagrees with you. It's, it's fun to be offended yeah, in some respects. It's hilarious. So, I, I don't know. Do you, do you think that it's worse today than it was eight years ago, 16 years ago? Well, I'll tell you that this is what I'll say. Um, in what sense, though? What do you mean is it worse? It's, the, the narrative seems to be that our politicians are devolving. They're getting less serious, less sincere, less well-meaning. Well, politicians, every year. politics, all it is is, see, because everything in politics starts at a microcosm level. It yeah. all starts with the community. Yeah. National politics is just a downstream effect of what's going on in the small communities. Okay. So if we start out, if everybody in their town starts doing this, Eventually, it goes to a national level. Right. So what you're seeing in the national spotlight, all it is is effective how all of us treat each other on a daily basis. It's a magnification. It's of just what a magnification. Yeah. If we didn't act like that, they wouldn't act like that. Yeah. They, but th- their jobs as politicians is to get our vote. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do whatever gets our vote. Mm-hmm. If it didn't get our vote, they wouldn't do it. So the fact that they're doing it is just a reflection of who we are. Uh, We treat each other on a daily basis. Which is sad and enlightening at the same time. Mm, It sucks. I saw saw a tweet or a Facebook post or something, and it was a guy basically saying, we get the leaders that we deserve. Yeah. And that really resonated with me. Because it's like, okay, look at the candidates that we have now. That's, like you said, a representation of what's going on. You know, I, I heard the funniest thing. I, I heard the funniest thing in the entire world that made perfect sense. Yeah. I was like, tr- all Trump is, is if a comment section of YouTube came alive. Totally. That's all he is. Yeah. Like, Ugh. so it's like, we're, we're discussing, how is this possible? I was like, have you guys ever looked online? Yeah. It's like, that's literally all he is. It is. And that was probably one of the best descriptions I've ever heard. Yeah. And it couldn't be more true. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm about to have a kid. Yeah, and this this sounds stupid, but I was like, "What is his Twitter handle going to be when he grows mm-hmm. up?" Everything's taken. Everything is like if you'd have got you know say McDonald's.com or BarackObama.com ten years ago, and you could have sold it to the company, you'd yeah. be a genius, right? Yeah. But just like real estate, we're running out. Cyber real estate's running yep. out. How is he going to interact with his peers? How is he going to find a mate? In 2030. Yeah. All he's got to do is his name is going to be his name with like a bunch of random numbers yeah, at the end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um, well, terrifying. Well, I mean, the, the, you're, you're talking about like, well, first of all, I mean, the good news is he doesn't have to find anybody online. Yeah. I mean. It's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah. Like, I mean, now I would say this. And I, I understand where you're coming from, especially like worrying about how kids are going to be. I don't yeah. personally have them yet, but I understand. I can totally understand what you're talking about. You know, it, 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 it'll come down to teaching him what he needs to look out for. Right. I mean, the reality is like, I mean, he, 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 the best place to pick up a girl ain't based on her looks on Instagram. No, it's not. That's not the kind of girl, <laughs> that's not the kind of girl you want. Right. Um, I, I always tell people, I was like, um, when I'm vetting people mm-hmm. for like new positions and everything, mm-hmm. all I have to do is look at their social media information. They'll tell me everything I need to know yeah. because whatever they show is what they find most important. Yeah. So if it's 10,000 pictures of themselves, that's mm-hmm. what they find most important. Yeah. You know? So 
that's a good thing about social media is that it tells you exactly what people find important in their in their life if they're forthcoming if they're honest most people are very honest when it comes to social media because they do it subconsciously right like um especially on things like instagram Mm -hmm. because they don't like they just they they get an instantaneous Mm -hmm. fascination with something to take a photo of it there's not thought process talking into it unless they're artists and stuff like that that's a different realm but the average person that's using it personally is doing it they're like oh bottle service yeah dollar bills laid out woo ballin that's like so it's it's all subconsciously they're doing it and not realizing so if you like you go on my instagram feed it's all pictures of what i do for work fashion Uh, stuff that's because that's in my opinion is what's most important in my life right now is my work yeah and And that's how you want to present yourself that's why i'm going to present myself so, I mean, you're not going to find any pictures of me on my Instagram account for a couple of reasons. Um, and mostly because I'm not a G'd out model or anything like that. Yeah. But um, I'm just not into that either. So, I mean, I think it's great to show pictures of your family and all that stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a line at where That's narcissism crosses the crowd and everything like that. And I don't want to be a part of that. So, I mean, dude, I've been, th- I thought about that a thousand times, what it's going to be like to have to raise a child in the uh, cyber age. I was watching a stand-up comic and he was talking about when he grew up, somebody knocked on your door, everybody lit up. We've got company, you know, nobody, you don't answer the phone when company's there. You've got a special cake ready for them and you're, you're just glad to share time, you know. And nowadays, somebody rings a doorbell and you hide behind the couch. You're like, who the heck didn't call me or text me and just showed up? Yeah. You know, you're assuming it's a, it's a marketer or it's something negative. So the thought of just going outside to play with the neighbor is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. That's kind of scary. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, um, see, there's two ways to look at, like, the Internet and social media. Like, some people look at it as a way to um, connect people. Yeah. You know... I get it, but it, I get it in philosophy, mm-hmm. but in practicality, all it does is disconnect people. Yeah. That's just the reality We're of more it. isolated It now. does, because instead of having 20 solid friends, you have 5,000 acquaintances. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, even in today's world, luckily, we were the generation that was the halfway point. Right. Got both so, sides. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so happy I was so part grateful. of that. Yeah. So, because we still have relationships that we cherish. Mm-hmm. I mean... The only reason these kids are going to have relationships beyond the cyber age is because they're forced to be with each other at school. Right. But I mean, other than that, if it wasn't for that, and I'm I'm, I'm scared that one day we might not even have that because they'll probably just do homeschooling off of a computer. That's a problem. Because they don't even need to anymore. They could just do a digital digital schooling. Then you'll literally have no connection to people. And I look at our, our contemporaries, people we went to school with, and... Some of them are just now having kids. Some of them have five, eight, ten-year-olds. And I look at how they're raising them, and they're all doing a fabulous job from what I can tell. But things that you have to think about, how much time do I let my three-year-old use the iPad per day? How long do I let them go online? And they're not even to the quote-unquote age of accountability where they can think for themselves. And you're already monitoring their interaction with the Internet. Oh, I've already figured that out. Have you? Oh, yeah. I've already made my... my, First of all, all, my kid's not allowed to have a cell phone before he's 16. Or he or she. Smartphone or cell phone, period? Smartphone. Okay. Okay. So I've already figured that out. Smart. And then, from there, 
They can only have it if they can pay for it. Okay. That's been, that was what I decided. I'm going to be, because I have no issue being the dad that the kid hates. Yeah. So I've decided I'm going to be that. Yeah. But I mean, the reality is like, I, as a male, holy crap, the stuff that I would have gotten in trouble with, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to get graphic or anything like this, but like when we were kids, yeah. dude, like trying to find like pictures of girls, mm-hmm. it, 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 it was resorted by trying to find a Victoria's Secret magazine. Oh yeah. That's what dude, I would the check the mail. Sears catalog, <laughs> yeah. the lingerie. That's what it took or the scrambled channels or yes. something like that. Just to hopefully see a glimpse of something now. Yes. Oh my gosh, dude. Like. Even if you take away the smartphone, like yeah. the kids are in flooded with it like every day. And it's mm-hmm. like, and it is bad for them. Totally. Because they don't understand context. Desensitized. Like, it desensitized. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the reality. And like, they're not going to ever understand that because they're not going to know. So I've just decided that I'm just going to be total, like there's not any democracy in our household. It's a yeah. complete dictatorship um with an iron fist kind of like communism back in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah. We're going old school in my household. Yeah. Yeah. That so. makes sense. I can't think of it to be honest, I can't think of a I honestly can't come up with a bigger better idea and people yeah. say that's that's insensitive. Well, first of all, don't use the word insensitive to me. That word ain't going to do anywhere with me. <laughs> that ain't getting anywhere with me. And sense sensitivity is not my strong point in the first place. Um but I mean, I can't, honestly, I just can't figure out a better solution Yeah. because, you know, some things you just shouldn't experience. And like, how do I explain some of the stuff on the internet to my 12 year old kid? Like some of the stuff that's out there. Yeah. Oh, what's sex, mommy and daddy? Well, it's when two men, it's a man and a woman, they love each other and stuff like that. So why is there four more people in there? And why is he doing this? And, uh, you know. It's, I stole that actually from a South Park episode, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, but it but it fits. He's like, and that's exactly what, and that's what the episode is about, by the way. So, but I was like, how do you explain that? You can't explain it because there's literally no logical reason right. other than some people are sick, twisted, demented people out right. there. And there's uh, the regular internet, and then there's the dark. Web. There's the dark side Let's of tell it. You, yeah. Well, and unfortunately, even the stuff that's like considered the normal side of it mm-hmm. is not normal. It's not. It's not normal. Like, I don't want to stay on the porn topic, but like... <laughs> it's a great example, though, because anytime there's a new technology or a new medium, that's what prop- uh, propels yeah, it. Because we're all yeah. a bunch of six bastards. Yeah. The whole society. But it's like, even the stuff that we consider like the normal side of that industry is not real life. Right. I was it's like, and, I, and, and the problem is like, you're teaching kids and everything like that, that that's what their experience is supposed to be like. Ooh, that's uh, not good because that's not real life. And it's not. Any person that's uh, an adult, under, unless you're a rock star or something like that, that's not what real life's like. So I'm, I'm realizing now that you're 100% right. That Of course I am. If, <laughs> for, for my son specifically, you, know, you want him to have a, a dumb phone, a flip phone for communication because that's important, but you don't want him to have free reign access to the internet no heck no i mean we're adults with the ability to think through the all this stuff right. and we shall shouldn't have the because look at we look at us adults do with this information oh yeah so i mean uh and and we understand the consequences you can you can logically explain we know why they're good why they're right and wrong mm-hmm. and look at what we're doing with it so 
this is the part where I, I become my parents. Oh yeah, you yes. Know? You say like, oh, I'm never gonna do this. I'm never gonna be like my dad or my mom, and they sheltered me so much, and I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be 100 honest with my. Well, dad. here's the problem is but like, you can't. and I don't want to say they had it easy, but we have it harder trying to raise than they did. Yeah. Because they didn't have any of that. Like, right. you keep them home, you keep them home in their room, you cut them off from the world. Exactly. Now they are in their room and they are in the entire world. So you can't cut them off outside your room. You can't cut them off inside the room. Yeah. I was like, um, I mean, you could. Now, I'm not saying they had it easy because they had different struggles. Sure. But this specific struggle is something they never had to deal with. And, yep, full-blown communism in my household. That's all I'm going. So what advice did your parents give you, for example? Like my dad would say, you know, you don't meet a good girl in a bar or at a club. You know, you'd meet her at church or at work or somewhere else. There's, like you said, context. So translate that 30 years later, what do you tell your kid? Oh, you don't go into that chat room. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know, to be honest. Like, I don't even have an answer for that one because I don't even know how to approach that conversation. Yeah. Because it's such an awkward conversation. We as adults don't even want to talk about it. No. Let alone like trying to, because you can't, uh, I honestly don't have an answer for that. Like I, I, I think you just, I don't want to say you avoid it. Yeah. I honestly think the best thing is just try to block it yeah. as much as you can. So shelter. Shelter as much as humanly possible because there's some things that have no proper context. Right. Like, like you can't like like you can you can you can properly context sex mm-hmm. for procreation love all these things mm-hmm. for but you can't properly context that weird stuff that's out the there the kink yeah you can't so I think you just kind of have to shelter as much as possible and then deal with it and then put it in context once it happens and I think you got to be kind of honest with them and say look this is just wrong like if you think it's wrong yeah. I'm not telling people how to raise their families but instill your values vigilantly yeah in a way that's not just leaving it up to their own yeah i mean if you're if you're if your values are anybody can do what they want and do as, as they please then you're gonna have to answer you're gonna, you're gonna have to put it in that context to your that, kids yeah. then you're gonna have to deal with that then you really don't have a context for it you just got to say there's some people that enter into it and they can choose what they want and that's your prerogative and as a person who believes in civil liberties that your prerogative to do that. I don't personally choose that. Um, but that's why I think playing the safe game in yeah. some situations is probably the better route. So you don't have to deal with stuff like that. What, what do you know about, speaking of civil liberties, what do you know about net neutrality? So net, net neutrality, well, I know. What's your question on net neutrality? Well, explain it to people. I think that people assume that it means your cable company and then higher up the government can you know, control what be, access and what speed. I'm going to do have. this real quick. I'm going to actually give you the actual definition of it, okay. and then I'm going to explain it in layman's terms. Okay, because you, you you like to say that you're not educated on things, 
But because of how much, because of what you do and because of how you approach things, you're a lot more educated than most people are on topics that I feel are extremely important. Yeah, net neutrality. Okay, the principle that internet service providers should enable access to all content and applications regardless of the source and without favoring or blocking particular products or websites. Okay, so first of all, you look at China. China does not have net neutrality. No, they okay? don't. Okay, first of all, they do not allow all content to be seen. Right. Now, we don't either. Okay, because we we don't allow all net neutrality because there are some things we just don't allow to be put out there for safety reasons. Sure. Okay, so the question is this, though, because in the part it says regardless of the source and without favoring or blocking particular products or websites. Okay. Well, the problem with that is you can't block or favor other sites. Well, that's tough not to do when the whole thing is based off of generating revenue because some things are going to get because you have like Google rankings and stuff like sure, that. Sure. How do you think those things get higher up? The whole way Google gets up there, it's either organic or paid. Yes, stuff like that. So I mean, here's the thing: is so they're going back and forth. I honestly don't think anybody has. It's super complicated. Yeah, it's. Can you say you're for or against it and how people should think about it at least? I'm for and against it depending on the certain aspect of it. Okay. You've got to go aspect by aspect. You have to literally look at every single issue yeah. that you're looking at and you've got to decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because net neutrality is just a vague, vague, vague over like umbrella sure, sure. that covers 10,000 different issues. Like things. And, and so I'll, I'll put it, I'll give you a good example of it. So it's like, um, you know, um, we're having the constant battle between how much government should be involved with business. Okay. Okay? Regulation. Well, the con- that's, a, that's an overall umbrella saying government involvement in business. Right. Okay? Well, from in there, you have things like taxes. You have, like, things like international trade. Right. You have all these different things that fall under it. So you can say, like, for an example, like... Um, some people say the government should have no right being involved in how I run my business. Right. Well, but then the downside to that is should I just be able to trade with other countries and send all my stuff all, all over the place all the time? Right. Well, that's a gray area because as a person who grew up in America too, I don't want to – because I'm, I'm like all about civil liberties and doing as you please. But I also want to see our country thrive. You don't want to give away the store. I don't want to give away the store. So – the, the concept of net neutrality is kind of like looking at it like that. Okay. Is that there's, I can't say I'm for or against it because there's really solid issues within there that I think are good for everybody. Got it. Especially because like here's the thing is like when you watch, when you watch TV, mm-hmm. um, how are all those TV shows paid for? Advertising. Advertisement. Okay. Well, in the complete net neutrality. That concept doesn't work because it favors some things over everything else based on dollars. Okay, so you have the internet. Like people were talking about, like we have people talking about how artists should be paid online and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the money has to come from somewhere. So if you have complete net neutrality, there's no way an artist can get paid for anything. Hmm. Like, you know. Because once it leaks out for free so once. So it's like you, can't, you have no blocking because you're yeah. just saying anybody should be able to do whatever they want with any content. So do you agree with that? I'm going to answer that by saying this. Okay. I have a friend that just got back from China, and he said, I'm sorry I wasn't able to access Facebook or Twitter or whatever because China blocks all those websites. Mm -hmm. So my gut reaction was, that's wrong. 
China should not be able to do that. But when it comes to an artist in America who's trying to make a living by streaming his music online, I think he should have more advantages to help him do that. And that's exactly the argument I'm saying, is that there are sometimes you need it and sometimes you know completely based on issue. If I say like this, should Facebook be allowed in, in, in China? I believe Facebook is freedom of speech. Right. So hell yeah, I do believe that. Yeah. Do I want to see people get paid for their content online? If they did hard work, sure. But you can't just have one or the other. That's why, like, you like. Uh, that's why. That's why the that's why the thing's so vague. Yeah. It's yeah. such a okay. vague topic. So it's well, like I'm, you, I'm glad you said that because I thought that I didn't understand it well enough. But it's not meant to be understood that simply. It's such a vague, vague thing. It's yeah. like saying like. I'm just trying to think of like, um, it's like saying, it's like, it's honestly, and as, as a person who leans this way, mm-hmm. it's like saying all government is bad. Right. Well, that's not true. I mean, we, 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 they take care of roads. You know, we have public schooling system. We have like public hospital for people that can't afford. There are aspects of it that are good. So like, it's, it's just such a broad term. So, right. Well, I, I want to get, get back to that exact issue. But one thing about the net neutrality... I think, do you, where's the line of where we should fight it? So, like, I think the cable company, Time Warner, Comcast, AT&T, whatever, Verizon, I don't think they should get to pick which websites I have access to, which websites I have to pay more to get to, and what's my speed, download speed. I don't think that, that's where I think it's wrong. Well, I, I don't technically say you're wrong either. Okay. The question is, who then gets to determine it? Um, geez. Okay. So the person that put up the website, they get to pay for whatever amount of bandwidth. Okay. And they're determining how fast they're putting the signal out there. And depending on how many people are trying to access it is what I'll say this. should determine it. I'll say this. I don't, have an, I don't have an issue at all with what you just said. Okay. But what you can't do is you can't say, I want this and then also make them pay for it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean the provider. I meant the, the originator of the content. Okay. So like Yahoo is paying extra to make their website faster. I want to use Yahoo. There shouldn't be a middleman, Verizon, messing with that interaction. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. Okay. So I that's where I agree. stand on I completely it. agree with that. Okay. So, um, and is there a way for us to vote up or down on that? See, that's what we don't know. We don't know. We don't know because the internet is still new. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, this is a, such a, it's every single day. The internet changes, yeah. and we don't know what's coming. So, when what can we look back in past history to say how net neutrality has played out in the past? Terminator Two Judgment Day. That's about it. <laughs> but we have nothing to resource to. Right. So it's all based on like it. I mean, here's the thing: is all these things come down to basic core ideas, though. Yeah. They all come down to like all these different things. All political ideas are the same. They're just come in different forms. Yeah. It's like Taco Bell. It's all the same food. Yeah, it sure forms. is. Okay. <laughs> So, Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you're still getting meat, cheese, and lettuce just in a different form, whether it's a bowl or tucker. See, so like, so this concept of what the same fight that they're having here is still based on how much government involvement should be, yeah. how much freedom should be to the, to the, to the private companies, yeah. how much freedom to the people. It's all the same questions. Yeah. Um, but one thing I don't think is like one thing I'm, I'm highly against across the board 
is saying, we want you to do this, and then we also want you to pay this, even though you don't want this. Okay. I'm very much against that concept. Give me a specific example that's hot today. So, I mean, uh, let me give you a good example. So, like, free healthcare. Okay. Okay, free healthcare. Perfect. Okay, I'll give you that one. Why am I against free healthcare? Okay, I'm against free healthcare because here's the thing is, I don't believe as a right... I don't believe a right entitles you to the fruits of somebody else's labor. Okay. So here, and let me give you, let me let me clarify that. Okay. You have the right to healthcare. You do not have the right to the doctor's work. Got it. Because that person has labor cost. That right. person is a profession. That person had to go to school. It's his job. Mm-hmm. See, we put healthcare in a different category than everybody else. See, if I. What do you mean, everybody else? In other every countries? other job. In every other job. Oh, got it. We put okay. them in a different okay. category. Right, right. And I don't know why we put them in a different category. Because here's the thing is, like, if I'm a mechanic and you go to me and say, I feel entitled to your work. Sure. Nobody says, of course. They say, what the heck? You don't have any right to that. But for some reason, we have an okay idea with doing that with health care. Because and the life is involved, right? Because, because it's emotional. Right, sure. But at the end of the day, the job, the doctor still had to go to school. Still materials. Still, still work, material costs. There's still work. Right. So you're telling them to do their work for not the cost of them doing their work. and Below market value. Yeah, below market value. Because their job is a profession. Now... People come back, it shouldn't be a profession, they should just do it for the love of it. That's, I think that's bullcrap because I don't know anybody who's going to go to school for 10 years to do something for they like. They're trying to get a paycheck, and that's not bad. A doctor wants a paycheck, okay? I have no issue with that. I have no issue with the doctor making six figures coming out of 10 years of schooling either. Their services are not cheap because their profession, in a free market, your value dictates your wage, I'm nodding less fervently now. I know, and that. I know you don't like this, <laughs> and I know you don't like this. But see, here's the thing: is we have value. See, the, let's use the word value. Okay. Okay. What does value mean? Value, in regards to a dollar amount, yeah. only applies to a free market. Well, okay, I'm gonna stop you there. Value is the buyer and the seller create the value. Yes. They're, it's not existing on its own in a vacuum. Yes. It's on the. Um, transaction. It's what you're willing to pay for it. Correct. So here's the thing is, and I get this argument a lot, and I don't want to hurt because I know your wife's a teacher. Okay? No, no, please. But I'm not going to think this. So people think, so they say teachers should get paid more because of the value of their work. Okay. Do they have an important job? Of course. But their value is not based on free market value. It's based on emotional value. So what that means is their paycheck is not coming from a free market transaction because if their money, if their if their paycheck came from a free market transaction, that would also mean sometimes like year after year, if they lost revenue, they might have to take a pay cut. Right. They would have to sometimes lose jobs and stuff like that. Right. They don't play by the free market rules. They have securities. They have guaranteed pay increases. That's not they have true though. Ten years to a lot of states, it is to a lot of places, it is. But they they but have you do. They don't ever, they don't go with market values because, they're, because their dollar, that where the money comes from, is not based on, it's based on tax money that's distributed somewhere else. So they have a fixed budget. So they say this much money is coming in. Their job is not, okay, let me take it one step back. I'll take one step back. My cell phone here. Whatever this is worth, 
is based on what the guy put it out for and mm -hmm. whether I'm willing to pay for it or not. Okay. That's not how teachers work. Teachers don't work off that way. So the concept of value, monetary value, only applies to a free market. Because any system who does not work on a free market system, mm -hmm. all it is is intrinsic. It's not dollar value. It's sentimental value. So for example, people say, well, let me ask you a question. How much, how much value is the frontline Marine Corps for protecting freedoms worth? I don't know. I think, I think it's a lot more than $1,200 a month. Then they're getting paid, sure. I think it's a lot more, but how much money is it? I, I don't have an answer. Because you can't that. put a dollar value based on intrinsic sentimental value. Right. But to have a financial value, there has to be an actual dollar amount paid for that specific service or product to guarantee that that's worth what that's going for. Now, you can do this in a couple scenarios in the teachers. Private schools can do it mm -hmm. because they'll pay and then they, that, that school can then distribute to the teachers however they choose. Now, I, with both of those examples, teachers and the doctors, yeah. I, I disagree. Okay, go. S surprisingly. So <laughs> the teachers, so my experience with my wife, when she graduated from college, oh, I don't remember the year, I want to say 2009, something like that. Anyway, the time was LAUSD was handing out pink slips. Yeah. They were laying off teachers left and right. Yeah. It was difficult for her to find a job. She ended up going to a private school in Antelope Valley and now she's at a charter school, which are both out, mm -hmm. kind of out on the fringes of, of public school. Um, so I think that the quote-unquote free market does change the need of how many teachers there are, what their salaries are. I understand that, that some people are in, locked in a tenure track and they're guaranteed. But why do teachers now in high demand are able to command a higher salary than they were 10 years ago? And then likewise, depending on how many people go to medical school, why does it change? And it does for attorneys as well. well for, it's sir, just slower to react. Well, first of all, they're two different systems. The teachers are paid off of tax dollars and um, doctors aren't. Okay. That's the difference. That's the difference. Okay. Was that your point in bringing up those two specific? Yeah, that's why I'm saying okay. that's the difference because we're talking about value. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like I didn't want a teach. I don't want a doctor. You can't tell a doctor to do his work and then have to pay for it by not not paying him for his work. Okay. That's why I'm just saying those two things like because a doctor doesn't have to service you. Okay? He's required to get his paycheck. Okay? You're saying that's how it is? That's how it is. Cuz if somebody shows up at the doorsteps of of a hospital, you know, so and so Mercy Hospital, yes, don't they have to treat them? Uh to it depends on the scenario. Okay. Okay, life-threatening? Yes, they're required to. And then they just bill them and they probably and won't get they, paid. They just won't get their money. Right. So, I mean, here's the thing is that, and I think that's great. No, you and don't. I, no, I do. I, th I do not think we should be leaving people to die. Honestly. You said it's great with sarcasm. No, no, no. I think it's great that people, they're willing to do that. And I actually do believe that's part of their job. But no, no, no. You're glad they're willing to. You're not, you're not glad that they have to legally treat a life-threatening illness. Well, there's two ways to look at that. Because here's the How thing is, you feel? this is what I'll tell you. This is what I think. As a moral, yes, I think they should. Yeah. Do I Because love, they have the training, right? Because, that, that's, because their job is to save lives. Right. It's the same thing with if I would expect a firefighter, if he was off duty, I would expect him to do his job. Sure. Okay? I would expect him to do it. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Um, now, here's the thing is, they are not required to like... 
if if you come in and you say I got I got a side pain, they're not required to take you. Right. Not it's, at all. It's got to be visible blood. Like there has they, they they can just say, well, where's your insurance? Right. And they say, what well, I don't have any. Well, then this is what it's going to cost to visit us. I don't have that. Well, I can't see you then. Right. They totally have the right to do that. Go WebMD and good luck. Yeah, that's and they have the right to do that, which um, that's how a free market medical system works. Right. Um, with ex- with with what we call moral exceptions. Okay. And the moral exceptions is immediate danger, which I have no issue with. Okay. And you know what? That person is probably not going to get paid for their work. And you know what? I think that's part of being that choosing that career path. Sure. So, but also that I think that comes along with being a decent human being. But when you started this, you said free healthcare. Yeah. Now that's different than what was on the ballot a couple few years ago for a single payer healthcare. Correct. Uh, now we're parsing words a little bit. Single no, I'm, payer, I'm not trying yeah. to parse words. I'm trying to literally understand. Well, because I I don't okay. take the time to follow. First of all, so first of all, so first of all, um, the single payer. What is single payer healthcare? Let's pull out the freaking definition again. Let's single payer. let's do it. Let's make this because I I know that when people look back at the legacy of Obama and when they talk about either why he succeeded or failed, that's one of his things that people point to as an accomplishment, right? I think that he, if it was Romney in office, we would have had Romney care. We had Obama, so we had Obamacare. And it's the uh, compromise of him wanting everyone to have access to free health care versus what, like what you're saying, what the market will bear. So single-payer health care is a universal health care system where a single-payer fund rather than private insurers pay for health care costs. The single-payer part refers to funding, not delivery. A single-payer fund can have a private health care delivery system, a, de- a public delivery system, or a mix of two. Now, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. First of all, I consider that all BS. Why? Because first of all, you can't have the government playing in free market corporate in, free, in the free market system. So if it didn't have the last part about it being private, public, you or only, combination, you only there's in my opinion there's only such thing as there's only government and there's only the free market. You can't have both. So and I'll explain what I mean. So first of all, what is the job of the government in regards to business? First of all, in my opinion, all their job is to play referee. That's my that's my opinion. Right. Their job is not to create equality. That's what we like to use to throw that, throw that word around. Because a free market system, by definition, means equality doesn't exist. A free market system means some people are winners and some people are losers. Now, you can have a moral objection to that system, and that's perfectly fine. But that's what a free market system, by definition, means. Okay. Okay? When you say play referee, you mean prevent monopolies, prevent them using their power to screw over their individual customers. Yes. So using their, throwing their weight around, having leverage. So when you say referee basically is regulating the business to an extent. Yes. But that's the problem, what they should do. That's in my opinion. Right. Now, if you lean more to a socialist standpoint, mm-hmm. you're going to completely disagree with my stance. I don't disagree with no, your stance. No, I'm not saying you. I'm saying in general. I'm saying Well, no, I, I'm but I'm, I want, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being... A stickler for words on purpose okay. because you and I both know that we come from a very different belief system or a corner or a team or whatever you want to call it, but I don't think that we're that far no, apart. No, we're, we're not. Yeah. And, and the reason we're not that far apart is because we both have moral obligations, we feel. Right. That's what brings us together. Right. So you can be on the far end, but because when it comes down to you guys, are, you guys both think there needs to be a moral aspect at it, and we do. So that's where our big compromise is. Anyways, so... The single payers healthcare system, mm-hmm. 
I don't believe this thing. I don't believe that you can have a mixture. And I'll tell you why. Because you can't have the referee also being the player. Okay? Right, correct. That would be like playing against a team, but the team, other team is also the referee to the game. Right. Not going to work. doesn't work because oh, they can change advantage. the rules. They can do anything to make, you, to make you win. Right. So I personally believe this thing that they're talking about I believe you only have a single payer system or you have a free market system. Okay. But I don't believe. And the reason why I think everything's so jumbled is because we're trying to do this weird mix of free market capitalism with socialism that right. ends up working out for nobody. And it seems like what they came up with was what we've always had for car insurance. It's like you're, you're not entitled to car insurance, but the law states that you must have liability insurance to protect other people. But the difference with that is, is you have the choice to drive or not. See, because this is the first time in history that you've been forced to purchase something. Right. You do not have to drive. Right. You have the choice to drive or not to drive. You can take public transportation your whole life. They're saying if you do drive, then you must have insurance. This is the first time in history we're told we have to purchase something to exist, hmm. which is why there was such a fight. Well, okay, okay yes, I, perf- I go with you on that point. But take vaccinations, for example. Aren't, aren't they saying that you must have... A, this has always been the case for the last 20 years, right? If, you have to get a vaccination. If you send your kids to public school. Okay. You have the choice to homeschool your kids. Okay. And, and, and to be honest, um, do you want to go down that route right now or no? No. Okay. Because I, I can give you a... Eventually, I mean, yes. I'll, okay. We'll, so we'll I earmark like, that. So anyways, you know, you can have... When it comes to, to health care... You can have a couple things. Okay. You can have quality, you can have low cost, and you can have abundance. But you can't have all th- but you can't have all three. Okay. Okay? So what if you have abundance, then you cannot then if you're gonna have abundance for everybody, then there cannot be um, quality. There cannot be quality. And that's what we want. We want quality and abundance for all. And no cost. <laughs> Those things can't exist. Well, not no you cost, can't. shared cost. Right? Well, I mean, now, now, once again, now that we have to go down the route of what shared costs mean, and a lot of people don't believe in shared costs, because here's the thing is, you know, when I was in the Navy, mm-hmm. when I was in the Navy, we have what you would consider socialized health care, okay. where we don't pay. We also it's have, crap, right? We also have restrictions on what we're allowed to do with our bodies. We also have regular fit tests. Okay. We also have to stay under a body fat percentage. Should we start doing that for the average person? So if you're going to start... Giving everybody free, and now you got to start regulating everybody's lifestyles because you got to control costs. You can't everybody just go nuts on a system that everybody's going to get. Right. We were required to hit body fat percentages every single time to make sure that we maintained a quality lifestyle to keep the costs down. But wouldn't you say it's crap? Like the everybody that I know that uses the VA system says that it's not. Well, quality. let's put it this way: I was a corpsman. Do you know what a corpsman is? I don't. A corpsman is a medical personnel in the military who is basically the equivalent of a nurse. Okay. I would never trust myself doing anything with my. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear you say that. So yes, yes. I wouldn't trust it. Either. So I was your medical personnel. Wow. And I don't think I should be doing medical on anyone. Right. So there's your answer. That's my answer. So you can. So you got. So here's the thing: is we have. We have, according to most recent statistics, we have a 94% A rating with healthcare. Okay. Okay? You said uh, as a country or in the military? Okay. As a country. We have a 94%. We have a 94% insured rate, and it's an A rating. Okay. Which means 6% of the population is uninsured. Okay. 
That doesn't seem Let me accurate. check the numbers yeah, real quick. I don't, right. I don't want to think. I might be throwing those. I'm, those those might be old statistics. Actually, let me get these numbers right. Now, my wife and I were briefly discussing this the other day. Like, what good has come from Obamacare? And from what she said, uh, I'm not, not sure if this is true, preventative care, more preventative care items are covered now. Uh, birth control is now available. Um, it's more readily available at a cheaper or free cost. Those things, to me, sound, one, they sound good, and two, they sound like a similar model that you experience in the military to where, yes, they're providing you free health care, but they're expecting you to have these preventative measures in place yeah. to keep the cost down. So, and if you're going to go that route, then we need, to start, we need to start chopping away people's personal freedoms. You don't have a choice. But it, can't, you, can't you encourage people by saying the physical is free? By saying the mammogram is free, by saying the birth control is free, aren't you encouraging people to make better decisions as opposed to regulating that they're not allowed you to know, do these things? I'll tell you this. I can't give you a yes or no answer because what it'll come down to, it'll come down to whether people actually take the initiative or not. Right. And what I know is, like, as a person who worked in the healthcare industry, like fitness forever, uh-huh. nobody wants to do it. Nope. It sucks. They want to get a pill that doesn't They want you. a pill. They want a freaking Big Mac. They yeah. want In-N-Out, and yeah. they don't want to go hit the stair stepper. Nope. And they smoke cigarettes. Now, we're cutting away on cigarettes, which is good, I do think. Um, but that's a freedom that you're taking away. It is a freedom you're taking away. Now, but we're not taking away. We're just discouraging it, which I don't have an issue with. But that's what I'm saying. You're just saying it's a freedom you're taking away. You're discouraging it. And I'm saying you're encouraging it. You're not. Well, but, here, but then what I said is then we're going to have to see whether people go through with it and do it or not. Sure. Because being healthier is not just like turning on a light switch. Right. It's a lifestyle. So now you can, I have no issue with encouraging people to be healthy. I'm but all you don't about want to pay it. For it. No, no, no. I don't even have a problem with it. I just don't think people are going to do it. And I think it's going to come down to the fact that we're going to do it. All these great plans, like telling people do this, 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 this doesn't matter because they're not going to freaking do it. Right. So what's going to have to happen is down the road, you're going to have to start regulating people's lives. Because they're not doing it. And that's a slippery slope. And that's a very slippery slope. Because here's the thing is, and that's why I prefer this system. What do you mean this system? The one we have now? The one I'm about to talk. Okay, okay. I'm about to say. Okay. If you want to smoke cigarettes, do crack. Sit around and eat cheeseburgers all day long. Knock your freaking self out. Yeah. But you're going to pay for your health care. Sure. Now, Now, that's a very... Now, within that reason, let's have some exceptions. Okay. Let's have some exceptions. Okay. Obviously, for people that are in dire need. Let's okay. have some exceptions. But overall, conditions. Like, uh, let's have some exceptions, okay? okay? But overall, I think that needs to be the overall philosophy. And then from within there, we can make changes. But I don't think the philosophy should start that everybody should get everything for okay. free. Okay. I don't think that's where the argument should start. Okay. Um, I have no problem with helping people. Like, I have no problem with, I don't have a problem with people who need to use health to use the welfare system. Yeah. I don't have a problem with, um, I don't have a problem with people that need public assistance. I don't have people that need rent control. I don't have a problem with that because you're always going to have, I do believe the purpose of a society, especially someone with a religious background, Mm -hmm. taking care of people is an an inherent part of who we are and needs to be done. Okay. 
I agree. But I think the overall system, the big philosophy needs to be more focused on freedom with exceptions as opposed to covering everybody with exceptions. That doesn't sound to me like the libertarian philosophy that you described to me. A few well, I mean, here's ago. the thing is libertarianism, libertarianism, because here's libertarianism has two ways to go. Okay. First of all, what is libertarianism? It's more, I think, now this is a test for me to see if I, if I know. There's your conservatives, and then further right than that is the libertarians. You're so extreme that you think zero government except for the bare necessities of like roads. Well, those are extreme libertarians. Okay. Yes. But I'm well, close. First of, all, first of all, we got this weird notion that conservatives are far right when they're not in the slightest conservatives are actually way less right than libertarians. Okay, so I was so right on the scale. You're right, just you're not correct. How far they yeah, are. you're correct. Yeah. There are some libertarians that are that far. Okay. There are. Um, but I don't think anybody that has like real logic and ration mm-hmm. would go that extreme. Okay. Because I also believe in law and order. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe in anarchy. I don't believe that can work. Because I believe it's people. Not sustainable. At I this believe size. people are inherently sometimes evil, and do they, they do bad stuff? Right. So I do believe, and sometimes you got to have regulations. The question is how much regulation. That's the big question. Okay. So as a libertarian, see, because I'll, you know, some people call me a libertarian. Sometimes, nah, I take that back. Nobody's going to really call me a conservative. Uh, more people are going to call me libertarian. Yeah, that's my um, impression. Yeah. Yeah, um, because. Um, you can go down because uh, libertarians generally, but because they say is, I have the choice to do this, um, and I should be able to do this because I have freedom. Okay. I, I'm not going to say I believe that in every case. Okay. And I'll tell you why because, um, like, I don't believe we should have drugs rampant on the streets and everybody doing it because I think that leads to bad things. So I'm not okay with saying. If he just wants to smoke crack, just let him smoke crack. If he wants to do shoot up meth all day, just let him shoot up meth. I'm, I'm not on board with that because I think it has extreme negative results. So, and that's where I think coming in using logic and reason makes sense. So um, now if you talk about marijuana or something like that, then it's like, well, you're, they're very different from doing shooting up heroin or doing meth and so, smoking crack. So case like by that. case. It's a case-by-case basis. Being reasonable. Yeah. With morality and logic at the heart of it. Yeah. I don't see how anybody can argue with that. Oh, so why? <laughs> well, a lot of people do. And here's the thing is, and because overall, because each side, no matter what side you're talking to, mm-hmm. they think they're the moral superior. Okay? And let me give you an example. So let me give you an example. Some people think... And I'm not even saying this is wrong. Some people think, tend to think that, because in today's world, you know, the big, the big debate right now is how much power corporations should have. Okay? We're hearing okay. that one over and over. Corporations have too much power and all this stuff. And then I always ask them, I was like, well, now, what's the alternative to that, though? And like, well, we need to regulate how much power they have. And I'm like, how do you regulate how much power they have? And they go, what do you mean? I was like, well, somebody has to stop them from doing this. Right. So what you're talking about is you're talking about taking the power away from here and giving it to the government over here. That's what you're talking about doing. You're taking away one power and replacing it with another power. Okay. Okay? So a lot of people think that the government 
is more philosophically, morally sound than its corporate opponent. And we both know that's not true. Well, see, that's maybe you and me say that, but a lot of people don't. Some people out there think corporations are the most evil things in the entire world and that politicians are actually less dangerous than that. Well, now, I, I think that they're both pretty evil and not on an individual level. I think that when you get that many people together for a common goal, groupthink takes over and then the individual is lost. So my solution to what you're saying is for the individual to vote with their dollar as an example, you don't like Walmart, mm-hmm. don't go to Walmart. And I, and I asked the question all the time. I was like, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have corporate fascism or governmental fascism? And they go, what do you mean? And I was like, I choose corporate fascism because we can come together and just not buy their product and then they go away. Doesn't work that way with governments. Right. Because once, you're, once they have control of your power, there's nothing that can take it away. But because they're so in, entwined, because lobbyists, people go from a corporate position to a government mm-hmm. position yeah. once they hit a certain level, and you and I can get together and get a group of people to boycott Walmart, but I think what would happen is behind closed doors, they would use their powers to quell that small revolution pretty easily. See, and then I don't disagree with you. The question is, what's the solution? That's the big question then. Because the, if, if, we, if we agree that Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes. Okay. Then the answer is not giving more power to another group of people just to counteract that group of people. Right. So what's the solution? And now, and I'm not going to go down this route, but what we're starting to talk about, we're now talk, talking to, starting to talk about morality. We're talking about moral, morals. And that's a whole different discussion altogether. It's not a whole different discussion. Uh, you, it all goes hand uh, in hand. That is very true. But the question is now, if you're going to go down that route of morality and get away from just legislation, yeah. now who's got the right morals? Right. And then you want to open up that can of worms is who has you the correct morals? You have to. You do. But the question is who has the correct morals? Every single person you talk to is going to say they have the correct morals because nobody thinks they're the bad guy. But what about the person who thinks, well, religious freedom for one. The country was founded on everybody have their own freedom of religion, but... We have the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Contradiction of us being a Christian nation. And every president that I can remember has been an outspoken, born-again Christian. So that, that's a con- contradiction. Well, well, here's the thing. is well, It's not a contradiction because there's a difference from saying... See, because a Christian nation is... A Christian nation would be a theocracy. Okay. That would be an actual theocracy because any government that is based on an actual religion is a theocracy. But we that's the term that we use. We use that because we use that as a term of not in a government. We, we use it in a philosophical term. Right. We don't use it in an actual government term. So but if it you bleeds are, over. Well, of course, because there's no, way to inter- there's no way to take apart legislation from morals. Right. It's impossible. And that's why, like, whether you believe in it or not, I always tell people, I was like, if you truly believe, I was like, first of all, separation of church and state, to be honest, is a completely ridiculous statement. Yeah. And they go, what? And I'm like, because you practical. can't stop that, that politician from taking his religious morals into right. the voting booth. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. There's no such thing as separation of church and state. No. Because everybody's morals come from somewhere. And you can't, you can't like, if you're, if you're going to have to vote on a legislation... Your moral conscience tells you what to do with this. Your raising of how you were raised morally wise 
is going to dictate that decision. Of course. You can't. And people just say, oh, they need to separate those two. Give me a freaking break. You can't. Just like we were does, saying the media do, earlier. Do you do that? Do you do that on a daily basis? When you go to choose something, do you separate your freaking morals from making your decisions on a daily Absolutely basis? Absolutely not. No, they dictate your life. Right. And just, just to take a little sidestep, the reason that we stayed in touch or the reason that you have the group of friends that you have, it's not because of shared interest. And I mean interest in the sense of hobbies. And I mean interest in the, sen- in the sense of where your dollars are going. That's not what binds people together. Yep. It's your virtues. It's at the end of the day, what is most important to you. Mm-hmm. So like I've got friends that have certain activities that I don't do. But at the end of the day, family is important to us. Um, education in the sense of imparting values to people is important to us. Not because guns is important to us. Not because the Bible is important to us. Not because certain brand of tennis shoes. It's because people are more yeah. important to us. And I agree 100%. You know? And and we'll go back to just for one second. The yeah. problem with the internet now is we've, yeah. we've gotten rid of that, unfortunately. Now, that's, that's what we're definitely losing in the society. Yeah. We're losing that connection to people, which is now creating enemies instead of binding people together. Right. I always tell people, see, some people think I'm a complete nutcase conspiracy theorist. Okay. I believe truly we're living in two Americas now. I truly believe that. Okay. I believe one of the Americas is extremely binded together. And then I believe the other side is completely binded together. Unfortunately, I think those two, those two Americas are enemies. That's what I think. And I mean, here's the reality and I'm going to break everybody's heart. There's never been a society in history that's lasted. Everyone falls apart. Right. So for some reason, I don't know why, um, I talk to people that they think are crazy that this just is going to go on forever. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to tell you it's not going to happen because something's going to break. Because you can't continue to divide and stay together. It's impossible. So um, I'd say we're all picking sides right now. Okay. Where we lie on the two different, you have, and I mean, if you wanted to categorize it, you categorize it as gun-toting, Bible-loving rednecks. Right. And then the other side are the... Careful. I don't know what to call it, to be honest. Um, progressives? I was going to say, and I don't mean... I was going to say intelligent, open-minded, liberal-thinking people. Uh, that's a really one-sided way of saying it, though. I know, but so was yours. Use- but I was actually making fun of them. Totally. <laughs> Yours is much nicer of saying it than what I would say. <laughs> let's just say, let's use the word what we call progressives. Okay? Let's use the word progressives. And progressive just means that, what, new is better? Well, progressive, to get to the root of the word? Progressive doesn't mean anything. Progressive <laughs> is just a, it's just a word we use. Okay. It doesn't mean anything. And it's not the opposite of conservative. No. It just, it, it sounds better. But okay. here's the thing is, and I'm not even hating on it. Everybody chooses words that sounds better for them. Sure. See, progressives, and, and I'm not going to go down this term, but we don't call people pro-abortion. We don't call, call them, them pro-abortion. We call it, it pro-choice because it sounds so much better. Yeah. Okay? And I would say it's, it's accurate. Yeah, and, it's so much, and it sounds so much nicer. Yeah. So we choose words progressive because it makes you sound like you're evolved. Right. Okay? But in, in a sense, progressive in today's world means the opposite of conservatism. Okay. That's what it means. Okay. So conservatism and progressivism cannot coexist. 
which is one of my favorite words, by the way. Coexist? Coexist. You don't want to know why it's my favorite word? Because it's a bumper sticker? It's the biggest piece of BS that ever existed. <laughs> really? Okay. I yes. don't think so. Coexist is the most, because you want to know why? You know what coexist means? Existing with other people peacefully. Well, coexist is the direct word that means tolerance. Okay? That's I don't it, think so. That's what it means. I don't think so. Well, you, okay, let me see what you got. Coexist means regardless of whether or not I tolerate you, we can coexist peacefully. So what does tolerate mean? Tolerate, I'm going to take a moment. <laughs> tolerate means that I am going to live and let live. I'm not going to impose my values onto the person that I'm tolerating. Okay. See, I would say this. You want to make it easier in my saying? Sure. Probably something that bugs you, but you just put up with it. Sure. That's what I would say. That's fair. So I would say tolerance is that's what it means. So, and I, now some people might not put them together. I put tolerance and coexisting together. Okay. Okay. And tolerance, the progressive, the, the use of tolerance and the push up for tolerance, in my opinion. Yeah. Biggest load of BS I've ever heard. Why? I love attach. I love, because nobody actually believes in tolerance. People believe in acceptance. And those are very, very different things. They're totally different. Totally different. But here's the thing is, here's, here's the thing is, if I go out right now and I say I don't believe, or if I go on the internet, I don't believe, and I'm not even saying this, I'm saying, I'm going to give you an example. Sure. If I go out there and I say gays should not be able to get married, okay. the correct tolerance response to that would be, I don't agree with you. But I am going to allow you to express your opinion. That's the person that is, responding to you? If, yes. Okay. That would be tolerance. Okay. That is not what I see out there. Okay. I see the opposite. I see brash. I saw a name calling. Right. I see some of the nastiest stuff I've ever seen. Right. That's not tolerance. They're forcing you. They want you to accept. Accept it. And right. that's very different from tolerance. Right. So... I've always been like tolerance is the biggest load of crap ever. I get it was cute and, and it was brought up. But during you the time. practice it. I personally accept it. I practice because it. a libertarian lives by the standards that you have to at least because the concept of freedom by definition means people are going to do stuff you don't like. Absolutely. That's what it means. Absolutely. So if you truly believe in tolerance, then you have to le- then you have to lean more to a libertarian stance. Hmm. Now, now in the defense of that, that doesn't mean you have to lean right because there's also left-leaning t- libertarians. Ooh, okay? that sounds nice. I okay. think I like so that. So you can be that. You can be that. There's more left-leaning libertarians and there's more right-leaning libertarians. Right. The right-leaning libertarians kind of fall more in line with more conservative views. Right. The left ones are pr- big-time pro-gay marriage, big-time pro-choice. You know what I'm saying? The libertarian generally falls to the social, social issues. Yeah, but you I can fall agree. either way because a libertarian says you should be able to choose on that issue. Right. So um, you can lean to a left side of – you can lean extremely liberal on the social issues sure. and still support a lo- small government. Yeah, that's right. You, you don't have to go both ways. Yeah. So, but I don't believe you can stand for freedom and be a big government person at the same time. I don't believe that. So they're, they're mutually exclusive. Yeah, I do believe they're mutually exclusive. I don't believe... So give me, a, give me a percentage of the pie of how big the government is now and how small it should be. Hmm, okay. And has there ever been a time that you can look back on and say, this was a pretty good balance? This well, here's the perfect. thing is, 
when population grows, economies grow, it's going to have a natural inflation rate. So it's you not mean inflation like the size of government's going to have a natural inflation. So the government's getting bigger. You're not talking about inflation in the sense of our dollars worth. No, okay. what I'm saying is like if your if population expands by 500 million people, you you're going to have, have an incremental more. growth on the government to compensate for that. Correct. So it's not about when there was a specific time because there because you're going to have like just as you have natural inflation on everything, you're but the have percentages still hold up. So what so what I would say is this. I would say look towards a couple things. Where we need to be figuring out, this is where we're having a problem. We, look, our national GDP. Gross domestic product. Very good. Trumps, what, I don't even know how close it is. We destroy every other nation on the planet. So China's not catching up? Because that's the oh, public perception that, so, that they either just passed us no, or that they're no, catching up. No, we, our GDP is just, um, let's, I'm gonna Google real quick okay. to get a more accurate number. Okay. But the, the point being that Hi, ours is the it, highest. We have the highest. Okay. Yet we're constantly in debt. Yeah. How is that, that humanly possible? How, and they say, well, we need to increase taxes. But we already have the most money there is. It's got to be irresponsible so spending So it's got to be irresponsible, in my opinion. Yeah. So I was like this. If you have the most money, if, 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 you, make, if you make $10 million a year yeah. and you're running a deficit, and you make $10 million a year... Nobody's going to say, we got to figure out a way to make you more money. <laughs> right. They're going to say, Cut you're, back on your... you're a screw-up, dude, and you need yeah. to fix some of your finances. How come we don't do that with the government? Let that sink in. Why don't we do that with the government? Because, and I'll tell you why, because on both sides of the aisle, you have a very broad political spectrum. Now... On the left and the right, now some people are not going to be happy with what I'm about to say right now. Okay, on the left and the right, you have things like, you have your conservatives, you have your libertarians, and then on the opposing side of the left, you have your, your moderate Democrats, which you would become generally called Reagan Democrats. You have your a little more progressives, and then you do have a far, that lean socialist communist. Okay. They are there. You can pretend they're not, but they're there. So these people... You have this large. Have you ever heard of the? Have you ever heard of the numbers of the twenty percent? Like the eighty twenty rule. Yeah, the eighty twenty rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to politics, I just know it from business. Okay, politics are it, it, perfect. It runs, but it also okay. runs in politics. Okay. The twenty percent fringe pushes everything. Right. Because they're the most dedicated. Correct. Okay. They're the most active. The people that are most fired up are the one that get out there. Right. Your fringe elements of all parties are the most adamant. They make the most noise. Well, who is the fringe, ad, who is the fringe element of the 20% of the left? The socialists that you're talking Don, about. Socialist communist people that okay. lean that way. They don't want to see a balanced budget because it goes against their entire government philosophy. Okay. Because they don't believe in the concept of free markets. They think free markets are the most unjust thing in the world. Because they believe in what they would call equality and that people, the money should be spread around and that people shouldn't have more than others. They believe in government-forced equality. Now, at the heart of it, they're not bad people in my opinion. Okay, I just tend to think that their ideas do not work out in reality. Okay, So that fringe is pushing all your legislation on left and right. So we, did, we recently talked about how the Republican Party is hijacked by the far right. 
technically that's not wrong because it's always the fringe elements of the party that push everything. Right. Okay. They're so, the Yelpers. So the Yelp reviewers in, in today's world. Yeah. Hillary Clinton is getting annihilated for being too conservative. And that's technically compared to Bernie Sanders. That's a correct, correct statement. Okay. Because Hillary Clinton does lean a lot more conservative than Bernie Sanders does. Clearly. Clearly. So, so the question is like, so if we go back to the original question, how are we still running a deficit? Cut it's because some people want it to and are fighting to make sure we're running a deficit. Now, why would they do that? Because er- they don't want this system to exist anymore. Got it. Because they are completely against capitalism. So they're trying to topple it over. They want it to fall down so that government structure had to come in and fix everything and get rid of the free market system. Now, when we started this part of this conversation, we said, you know, if an individual was making $10 million, you wouldn't ask them to make more money. But we also agreed that the government is a reflection of our, you know, mm, the microcosm. Very that we valid live in. point. So. I was listening to the Minimalist podcast, and their whole philosophy is look at your needs, look at your wants, look at your likes, Mm -hmm. cut back drastically to bare bones, and then add back what you need little by little. Mm -hmm. I love this philosophy. It gets rid of clutter. It gets rid of stress. It gets rid of time making money for things that you don't need. Our government is doing the same thing. They're paying for things that they really don't need, which I'm sure you agree with. Of course. Now, it takes a lot of discipline, but an individual can do this with a few simple steps. Mm -hmm. Why can't the government do it if we truly are representative? And that's a good point. You you make a great point. Is the government at this point just becoming a reflection of who we are? And I honestly won't say no. Because... Even my generation, how much of our generation is running off credit cards? I was guilty for a long okay. time. So, I mean, we're spending money we don't have. Sure. So, I mean, I mean, if you want to get down to the root of it, then we need to be talking about overall philosophy and what, how we should be really be handling money. And I mean, so you can make that full-blown argument. I'm mm-hmm. not going to have a difference to that. Um, but I think what you're really getting down to, we're going to go back down legislation and government role, mm-hmm. and we're going to start going back into morals. We're going to go back into the moral train. And then the question is this, should people pursue beyond what they need? That's a moral question. Obviously not. They shouldn't. I think that the idea, the false idea that there's good debt and bad debt was a staple of our generation's economic education you make investments like the stock um, not the stock market um, homes for mm-hmm. example you work hard you buy a house it skyrockets in value and that is your nest egg mm-hmm. and then we all saw that rug pulled out from under us so I don't know where the expenditures for the government go but I know that whatever resources they're going to enforce and perpetuate credit cards, and things of that nature, if they took those resources and put it into honest financial education for young people, our generation, let's just say that we're lost. But the next generation, if they were to put that funding toward that, 
I feel like that would be the beginning of healing the problem that we're discussing right now. Are you, specific, are you specifically talking about education or are you using it as a vague, like just one specific concept? I'm, well, when I say financial education, I mean it specifically. Okay. Teaching people. Well, here, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Okay. I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. First of all, what is perfect capitalism? Perfect capitalism is a, a merit-based system of where you're, the value of what you're getting matches the value of what you're spending. But does a perfect capitalism require people to have a moral conscience? No. It doesn't? No. So you can run a perfect capitalist system and people can still be dishonest? Yes. Really? That's what we're dealing with. Oh, so I'm not, I'm not calling this perfect capitalism by any oh, means. Oh, no, no, no. Me neither. I'm talking philosophical. Okay. Completely I thought philosophical. you meant pure, pure capitalism. No, okay. I'm talking philosophical. If we were going to say like... Philosophical capitalism is a perfect. myth. It doesn't exist. Ah, and that's the big one. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. That's yeah. why I didn't expect you to give me an answer. Yeah. Because at the heart of every single system, if you have dishonest people, it's going to fall apart. Right. So we can talk all day about which system's better and everything like that. But at the heart of it, when you get down to all of it, if you have dishonest people and you have evil people, the system's going to be corrupted. It's going to fall apart. It right. doesn't matter what system it is. So, and I inherently, see, if you ask people, like, are people inherently good or evil? Um, the answer is, the answer, to my opinion, is neither. They're not inherently good or evil. It's... They, if they're given the circumstances, they may they have the choice to become good or evil. Right. Okay. But the problem is, not everybody is going to choose honesty, and I do believe that hundred percent. I believe there will be people that choose dishonesty. Absolutely. No matter how you go. So, you know the the going the the raising the houses and putting your money in the nest egg and growing that. I mean, if you think about it, how long is like even if minus the Minus the discussion of evolution versus creationism. Okay. How far back can we think about how long commerce has been going on? The concept of commerce. Well, I go back to my edu- you know, elementary education, the, the Silk Road. Okay. You know, trading. You know, fabric for you know, skin, furs, and things like that. for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. So, first of all, to think that our system that's existed since the 1920s is going to continue forever. Right. So new. Is... Is, is, is completely ignorant. And too many people think what they're living in right now is going to live forever. So capitalism is going to have to, capitalism, no matter how what, is, has to be, keep evolving. Now the question is, how do you evolve with times? So like, for an example, you know, we're talking about a lot of job loss recently. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, I, I work in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. I don't hear anybody talking about a lot of job losses happening in because e-commerce. everything's going in e-commerce. Right. And I don't need 50 employees anymore. Right. Okay, how come we're not talking about that? How come we don't talk about that stuff? We're not talking about that technology has a lot to do with a lot of this job loss. We're not talking about that. We're talking about as corporations shipping their jobs overseas. overseas right. That's we say things that are really politically expedient to people's. But what we're not talking about is that, like, I just went into Vons the other day, mm-hmm. and I checked myself out at the cash register. Yeah, it's automated. That's a job lost. Chase Bank which unfortunately I use every time I go in there. I do too. And I, Sir, I, would you like to use our, our advanced ATM, this robot thing? Yeah. And I tell them every time, doesn't it worry you that you're training your replacement? Yeah. 
Doesn't that bother you? Oh, no, we're not losing any jobs. Yeah, they're, right. They've got that rhetoric, you so know. So the question is, now you're going to have to go through another revolution. If you're going to keep cap, if you believe in capitalism and you believe in the concept of freedom, you're going to have to go through another hard period of time yeah. to figure out how to adapt to this new change. But what we're not doing is we're not doing that. What we're talking about is abandoning the ship and picking up something completely new. We're not talking about revolutions and trying new things. We're talking about we've decided capitalism is the way to go, that it's got to go the way it's always gone, or we're talking about we got to pick up a completely different system. Right. But we're not talking about, hey, adapting to, adapting system to new have. systems. We're not talking about that the world eventually. I told my mom this the other day. You know, the generation, maybe not my kids, but the generation after, is not going to know what it's like to go hang out at the mall. Correct. They're not going to know. And they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, nobody's going to buy storefronts anymore no, because they're Amazon. not going to be valued. There's not going to be value because it's all going to be competition pricing through internet and commerce. Right. People aren't going to have storefronts like that anymore. Not at all. Yeah. There's not going to be any point to it anymore. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I was like, but that's going to be a change. Now, with every job lost, it creates a new type of job though. So in a sense, what I would like to say when it comes to education, everything's moving technological. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, what's interesting is... Everybody keeps talking about everybody's got to get college degrees. Well, we're also not talking about changing degrees to match the technological age either. Yeah, liberal arts is not going to help you. Well, it's like this. Okay, I need to get a four-year degree. Why? Why? Like if all jobs are going to technical, why do I need a four-year degree that does general education? Trade school is Back in the day, you had to have general marketing degrees. Right. I don't hire general marketing people. I generate people that can do an actual physical skill. Right. That can fix this, that can do this type of thing. How come we're not taking, saying, you know what, let's maybe disregard the four-year college system mm-hmm. and start thinking about investing all our money into trade schools where but people, people tech. People don't, I agree with you in theory. People don't respect ITT tech. People don't respect Phoenix University well, online. they would if it became the standard. Right. That's going to take a huge shift. Well, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. But is, if the world changes, how come we have a problem? We don't have any issue the fact that the world went from a completely disconnected world to a completely connected world, which is the biggest shift of all time in all time history. Bigger than the printing press. Yeah. But then all of a sudden we Bigger have than a the steam engine. But then a problem we have we have a problem with changing our education system to match it. Is it why and why is that? Well, first of all, because there's a lot of politics involved. Is it the financial interests of the educational there's systems that. themselves? There's that. There's that. There's some people would say that you use it as you know, some kids are need to know the college experience and they have to have this time to discover themselves. You can't have that if your trade school is only six months long. Right. You know, there's a lot of politics and a lot of feelings involved. That also is going to talk about putting on an entire industry taking, and taking teachers that teach a college degrees, taught college, completely getting... How many colleges are in the U.S.? I couldn't tell you. Okay. So it's, you're talking about changing everybody's job. Right. Changing the way they pay structure, the way everything goes. Uh, I don't think some people want to talk about that. Right. So, and but, you, you make a good point because the point of going away to college for a lot of people, I look back at my four-year college experience, which still blows me away that people look at it with such reverence. They're like, oh, you went to so-and-so university? That's amazing. And I'm like, I still have loans. It was a poor, horrible life decision. <laughs> I should not have done it. But I... I you know, you buy into that status and what you're saying, you, you go to college to learn how to exist in a society. That was my re- retroactive looking at college. That's what I got out of it. You learn how to 
exist with people that are different than you. You get exposed to not having your parents' control and resources, and you're kind of, it's training wheels for real life. No. If parents raise their kids without training wheels, and if there was a real rites of passage for boys to become men and girls to become women in this country, which there is not, there's just a bunch of false little flags that you grab and say, oh, I made it to this stage, I made it to this stage. There's no graduation, quote unquote. And college does not fulfill that. No. It just, you, you get a longer adolescence. That's you know, the only I, thing you're getting. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I asked my dad that same question. Yeah. You know what he said the purpose of college is? Make relationships. To get a job. That's what he said is the purpose of college is. To huh. get a skill to get a job. Yeah. And that's not what that's, people are using it for. That's a very different yeah. ideology. Yeah. So I believe we need to go back... I think it's great that people want to get this experience, yeah. but we might have to go back to school just being about getting a job. Right. We might have to go back to that, and you might have to forget about this four-year college experience Right. that you builds on tons of debt. It's so romanticized. Yeah, but I mean, and, and you know what? Back in the 80s and early 90s, you couldn't walk into any major company without a four-year degree. Right. You know, if you walk into my company today and you say, I got a four-year degree, I'm like, that's cool. Let me see what you can do. Yeah. Let me, let me guess. You want too much money for your skill set. Or I don't, or that's cute. Let me see what you can do. Yeah. All I care about is your portfolio. Yeah. If you came to me, if a kid came to me and said, I don't have any formal education, but his portfolio looks unreal, guess who gets the job? He gets the job. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're moving to an age where people need to be able to produce, especially in the e-commerce world. Yeah. Your freaking, your general education don't cut it. I need you to be able to produce. Practicality. Because the internet has created so much dang competition, you got to be able to show your value. Yeah. And we don't have the time to spend to teach you, groom you for a year or two. The day you start, you need to be able to go. And that's the world we're moving to, especially when you're looking in digital e-commerce and everything's moving to e-commerce. If you're going to be in the selling product. Now... Now, is that, is that the right way? So given the fact that our government is modeled, is run like a corporation, would you agree with that statement? Would I, would I say it's run like a go- corporation? Correct. Yeah. Would you say that? No, because a corporation is usually run very efficiently. Yeah. <laughs> so, with, with, the profit, with profitability. Um, I would say it's like this. A corporation, like imagine it's a ship. Let's say a corporation is the Titanic. Yeah. A, the government would be the Titanic with holes poked in it everywhere. Right. That's what I would say it is. Okay. Because where, where I was going with this is, didn't, what was her name? Elizabeth Warren, didn't she run Amazon or Google or some shit? No, what no, am no. I thinking no. Of? no Elizabeth Warren is, uh, is, your, is your senator, your Democratic who, senator. Who am I thinking of? You're talking about um, Meg. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the girl that ran for governor of California. Right. Uh, she just lost to Jerry Wh- Brown last was year. It Whitman? Nah. Wait, was it Meg Whitman? I don't, I don't know. know. Whatever. Well, the girl, well, she was the CEO for eBay. Correct. To CEO for eBay. So with that in mind, since e-commerce is taking over, if we're going to restructure our education to meet those needs and remain a global contender, should we not remodel our government in a way that suits that? Um, I don't technically disagree. I just don't know how that would work. So, to- so the people that are in let's say that you buy into the, the 1% theory, the people that own and run the banks have the financial power and have basically bought the government. Okay. Their system work, does not work on you go to school for four years, 
you get a, you learn a skill, you get a job. It's all nepotism. Your parents have the bank, they give it to you, you've got the power and you can do what you want. There's no need for them to learn that skill to break through and earn their value. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, I don't see that happening. They don't want that shift to happen. They want it all to be elitist and based on relationship. And if you can't afford this college, then we don't want you. Well, what you, and we're going to go back a couple of minutes. What I said, Yeah. you have two Americas, okay? You have, and that government also reflects that of two Americas. Yeah. Okay? Well, right now, you have these two Americas. They're like, it, I personally believe the Republicans and the Democrats now look at each other like enemies. Okay? The Republicans are all they're trying to do is stop the Democrats from making more moves. The, right. the, the, the Democrats are trying to move it left, and all the Republicans are trying to do is stop them from moving it left. That's why they're called the party of no, because <laughs> all they do is shoot everything down. Right. Which, to be honest, I'm all for. <laughs> the like, standstill, you mean. I, I hope to God, which that I hope to God that they don't get one damn thing done. Yeah. That's what I hope for. I hope they can't get one bill passed. I hope they can't get anything done. That's my dream. Yeah. It's my personal dream as a libertarian. But they're still using the same amount of resources to get nothing done. They're still taking the same amount of our money agreed. to do nothing. I agreed. And so here's the thing is, so if they get more stuff, it's just going to cost more money. So we're just going to go in more debt. So if they at least stop, we can at least stop the bleeding over that we're in, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we can at least stop the bleeding and... Find and like maybe in a couple of years refocus and figure out okay, we put ourselves into a giant hole, see if we can dig ourselves out. Yeah, but right now, all I'm trying, all I want to see is them to stop the bleeding. That's all I'm trying to hope for. So, you're, you're in the camp of fail, so they have to scrap it and start over as far as the capitalist system. Uh, I wouldn't say fail, I would say, I would say, um, who wait, wait, who fail. The the structure as we know it, and I'm talking the the capitalism system that we have, that's being called a democracy. The uh, two party system. Just I, the, the I don't think it needs, as we I don't want it. it to fail, but I think it needs to change. Because you used the word revolution earlier. What did, what context did I use it in? I don't remember. I probably do. I love that word. Yeah. It's such a rebellious word. Let's rewind and find out. No. I don't, I don't remember what word context I used it for. But, um, well, I mean, two Americas. It's not North and South anymore, but it's, it's like you said, it's conservative versus liberal. Right. That's the new Americas. So, so what's what's next if not a revolution? Well, I also look. Do you want my honest opinion, or do you want the cookie cutter? Honest. Po- okay. I think honestly, look, I honestly don't believe this can go on much longer. What do you mean by much longer? Within I, our lifetime. Depending on some base, big moves that are going to be made over the next maybe 10 years, okay. possibly. And what are those big moves? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I have a theory. Okay. Okay. I have a theory. And we're going to go into a little candidates action that we got going on right nice. now. Nice. That's okay. where I wanted to end up. So you got... I mean, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. There's only three candidates in this race right now. There's Donald Trump. Well, no. I'll, I'll tell you a couple possible scenarios. Okay. Let's, let's throw Ted Cruz in there. Okay. Got Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Hillary Clinton, and Bernie Sanders. We all know who t- Donald Trump is. We all know what he's about. 
not many people actually know what Ted Cruz is about. Um, Ted Cruz is a pretty straight-up conservative. Uh, very intellectual man. He was a Supreme Court. Uh, he's a um, he was uh, practicing law in front of the Supreme Court. Okay. Supreme Court at 27 years old. Okay. Won his first court case at 27 years old. Very smart man, constitutional lawyer. Um, but he's a straight-up staunch conservative. Okay. Hillary Clinton, I would call her a conservative progressive, okay. if that even makes sense. Got it. Does, does that word make any sense? But uh, it makes sense. It makes as much sense as she does. And then um, Bernie Sanders is your progressive. Okay. Okay. I've often been asked, I've been answered this question. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. I've been asked the question between if I vote for Donald Trump. No, I'll tell you why. Because he's not a he doesn't he's not a conservative libertarian. The dude's been all over the place. I literally don't know where he stands on anything. Right, flip flop. I honestly don't know if that guy believes a word that's coming out of his mouth. Um, I like his attitude. I like his attitude too. As a as a as a rebellious person. Correct. I love the fact that he's literally walking around Washington with his middle finger up at everybody. Middle finger up, yeah. I have to respect that to an extent. I I have to agree. When it comes to politics. Him and I don't share any of the same ideals. Correct. Because he has literally been, you can, no matter what he says, you can find a contradicting statement 300 times in the past that contradicts that statement. Right. That's the, literally the polar opposite stance. His word means nothing. Yeah, means nothing. Uh, but he's a great businessman. Well, yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> kind um, of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. Uh, great businessman does not mean good moral character. Not at all. And obviously so in his He's not the most moral character person in the entire world. Right. Um, so on the Republican side, this is what you're going to see happen. Um, Donald Trump's going to come out with the most. Um, he's going to come out with the most delegates. Okay. They're going to go to head to the convention. That's the whole reason Ted Cruz is still in. And the goal is a brokered convention where the super delegates within the party of them, because if you don't reach the required amount of delegates to right. get the nomination, it goes to the convention. Okay. And then what they're going to do is they're going to pull up and they're going to try to take the nomination away from him and give it to. Probably Ted Cruz. Okay. Because they've been talking about maybe bringing in a third party candidate. You want the whole freaking place to ignite. Right. Well, little issue with that. You're also supposed to be the party of small government. I can't think of a more big government move than taking away the right, the voters' rights to choose the candidate. Huge Man, oxymoron. That is about as undemocratic as you can get. And I honestly don't believe, and I, he said he will, Ted, Donald Trump said he'd run as a third-party candidate. He'd run as a third-party candidate. I have no doubt he would. Yeah. Split the vote, automatic win for the Dems. No way around it. Right. Because his people are loyal. Right. Um, as much as it sounds, the only chance they have of winning at this point, in my opinion, unless something happens, is that they have to go with Donald Trump, whether right. they like it or not. Right. That Flips. theory sounds sound to me, logically. Yeah. Flip side to the Democrats. Okay. Okay. Um, people are always wondering why... Uh, the Democrat side is the one that actually... Everybody's fascinated by the Republican side. The Democrat side is one that like, fascinates me more yeah, uh-huh. because the politics in it is way deeper. Right. Um, so you have the Dem side where Hillary Clinton was supposed to be a shoe-in. It's funny, she went out there. We never thought this race was going to be easy. Bull. You Bull. thought this was going to be the easiest election of your life sure because it was did. a no-name Bernie Sanders. When he started this election, he was 70 points down. Yeah. You thought this was going to be a cakewalk. Well, it's not a cakewalk anymore. 
So now what's going to happen is you're going to have, you're going to go into the convention because mathematically it's impossible to, it's mathematically impossible for Bernie Sanders to catch Hillary Clinton delegates. Okay. This is because of her superdelegate count. Okay. First of all, are you familiar with superdelegates? Unfortunately, now I am, yeah. First of all, superdelegates, probably the most undemocratic thing that exists. Correct. So she was promised those superdelegates in the last election because Obama, she had to step down, right. give it to Obama, and then they promised behind the closed doors. And that's on a handshake, right? Yeah. That's not in ink, right? Yeah. Sure. But here's the thing is, you don't go up against the Clintons. They're totally. the most powerful political party on the entire planet. Right. There's a lot of peas in that statement. <laughs> so what's going to happen is it's going to go to the convention, and most likely they're going to, even though Bernie Sanders is probably going to go through the convent, the last round of the primaries, sweeping all the last states. He's won eight out of the last nine states. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter because they don't, it's not de- delegate take all states. It's proportional. Oh, so, right. You were telling me that earlier. So, it's not just how many states you win. It's by what percentage yeah, so you win. So she them. swept through the South. She picked up a ton of delegates through the South. Right. And then they head through the more Midwestern, North blue states, California, New York coming up. But it doesn't matter because mathematically for him to catch her in delegates, he now has to win by 60, 70 percent. Right. But I just watched the Wyoming where he just won, but he only won by like 10, 9 or 10 points. Not a big enough victory. Now, it sounds awesome. He's winning all these states, but it doesn't matter because it's proportional wins. Okay. It's not like the Republican winner-take-all system. Okay. So he's going to go in with all this momentum that to the people and the voters sounds like a big deal, but that's not how the election process works. On the Democratic side. Yeah. That's not how it works. It works based on who's got the most delegates. Okay. And unfortunately, she's way ahead because she has all the super delegates. Okay. She has like 400 and something promised to his like 20 something. Okay. Okay. Now, may a couple split? Sure. They're not going to split for a couple reasons. And this is why it fascinates me. The politics, because you're now on the first woman president versus an old white guy. And the champion across the board for the last two years is we need to get old white guys out of office. Right. So how do you make the argument for that when... This is now going to be the first woman. So the politics says that she's got this one in the bag because they're not going to switch because now you're going to give up the first woman and you're going to lose a huge part of the woman base to give to an old white guy. Right. Looks really bad politically wise. Right, right. So I am fascinated to see how this works out for an overall goal who I'd like to see win. I don't talk about who I want to see win, but I'll tell you interesting scenarios. Um, I think Donald Trump's a very dangerous candidate. Even though I would generally tend to leave for small government, uh, I'm not very confident in how he's going to do with international relations with other countries. Obviously. Yeah, I'm not very confident on that. Um, and, and I said something recently. If I, I have to, zero confidence in that. But uh, the most da- who's, the ma- who's the most dangerous candidate to me? It's Hillary Clinton. That's why. To me personally. For the, for the same reasons? Uh, no. Her, okay. No, because she has the ability to get stuff done. Okay. I don't give a crap about Bernie Sanders getting elected. Bernie Sanders has no connections. He, all his policies are completely unrealistic in today's world of government. Right. He literally, if, if I had to choose a candidate that where I knew nothing was going to happen, it's Bernie Sanders. You're saying he's harmless he's because harmless he can't get anything done. He can't get anything Congress. done. Right. He has no connections. He's hated by the Republicans. So he's got no crossover because you have to have the Republicans. We work in a system of where you have to have cross the aisle to be able to pull stuff off. Right. No connections. 
He's just he's been sitting in the in in his seat for the last thirty years, gaining nothing because he's always been considered just kind of a whack job, to be honest. Right. A left wing out there guy that has built nothing. People say, oh, he's stuck to his he's stuck to his guns and he's been honest the whole time. He's been with the civil rights movement. He's and that's great. But rights, when it comes things. to getting policies change, you got to have those connections. Right. He didn't have them. His policies like, oh, we make health care free. Jeez, wheeze. You want to talk about like how long? First of all, you can't do it in eight years in the first place. No one's going to show up to his meetings. Yeah. You want to make college free? That's cool. Well, that ain't going to happen in eight years. Because first of all, let's, let's, say, let's say we decided today that, health, that schools were going to be free for college. Have you ever tried to change over a, a system, a money management system? You ever tried to on a company? I, I'm, I hate Chase. I won't even change to another bank because I don't want to deal way. with all of it. We recently <laughs> changed our operational system at, at our, my company I work for Okay. from a, an, an inventory system that was originally once manually done to an internal computer system. Okay. We changed that over two and a half years ago, and we're still trying to work bugs out of it. Wow. And that's a tiny little company. Yeah. Now you're talking about changing the financial transaction of every school and then moving how the production of all the funding works. You're talking 30, 40 years to get it right. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. Even on, even, that's if you could get anybody on board in the first place. And first of all, he wouldn't get it done in his first term anyway. Mm-mm. It would take his second term to even get people on board. He'd spend the first four years just building trying to talk to people, building yeah. relationships. And then nobody gets anything done in the last two years because everybody starts campaigning. Right. So it'd be between year five and six that he might be able to get some policy. Just to get the momentum for the Just idea. to get anything done. Yeah. So he's harmless in my opinion. Yeah. So Hillary Clinton, not so much. Hillary Clinton has all the connections, has everything she needs, which is why, I mean, I'm not trying to bash on anybody, but if you really want to get stuff done in the Democratic Party, Hillary's your candidate. Bernie's not your candidate. That's gross. Yeah. Just and I'm not to saying, say. And I, and I get it. She sucks. And she's, ugh, she's a terrible human she's being. She's unsavory. Yes. But if you want to get stuff done, she's your candidate. And I'm saying that as a person who ain't voting for either of them. Right. Because that's how the system works. Because right. that's how politics works. Politics is dirty. So if I had to choose, I would not choose for, I'd choose probably John Kasich. Mm-hmm. Which is about as realistic as me running for president at this right, point. Right. Or I'd be okay with Bernie Sanders, to be honest. <laughs> for that reason. I'm, because... And I'm I'm laughing with you, but I guess unfortunately, most people who are supporting Bernie Sanders don't have that in depth knowledge of how the system works. Would you agree with that? Of course. And you know what? They have the dedication and their hearts are in the right place. But they're unrealistic about how the system actually works. Because what he's saying, his ideas that he's talking about, I'm not even saying they're wrong or don't like him or anything like that. They're just so way off from what we're doing now that it would literally take probably like his idea. Let's say this. I'd be realistic and I'd be, if I was doing a conservative estimate, yeah. I would say he'd probably need about six or seven straight elections of Democrats, presidents, so six times eight, to get any, to even get one of his policies in place. That same 40 years you were talking about yeah. of moving the moving the needle. Because you can only move it this much at a time. You're talking about reinstructuring an entire system. Now, from, I, I think entrepreneurially, 
So I heard a quote this morning. I've not the first time I've heard it. Realistic thinking is the quickest path to mediocrity. Say that one more time. Realistic thinking is the quickest path to mediocrity. It's an interesting quote. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it came from Will Smith or he repeated it or something. What was the context? Because I'm not really understanding it. It was an entrepreneur talking about his struggle from uh, going from nothing to... Okay. Being you have that delusions of grandeur just to get... that, And I can understand that from an, an entrepreneurial... Because realistic sometimes equates to de-insensitized de and no like, motivation. Correct. And settling so, for the status quo. And I can understand that. So does that... Is it impossible to translate that to the political world? Because it sounds to me like a vote for Bernie Sanders is a vote for a revolution that's not going to happen, from what you're telling me, well, on a I logistics mean, standpoint. Well, here's what, and here's what I'm saying. is I, I feel like too many people are putting too much faith in him when they don't understand that, like, I'm not saying that this can't be done. I'm just saying it's going to happen with Bernie Sanders. So, and I think too many people are putting hope and it really bothers me when people put hope in politicians sure. because they don't understand their limitations. For some reason, they look at these people like they're exalted human beings. People have a short memory. They're not, though. People think about what Barack ran under, yeah. what he was promising versus what he delivered. I will say this. Barack will pull off 10 times, has pulled off 10 times whatever Bernie Sanders will be able to pull off. So is, okay, let me ask you this. Is his presidency a success or a failure? Depends on wh what your political standpoint is. No, 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 no. Based on what he promised versus what he did. What do I think? Yeah. I think I would call it a success. Yeah, I agree. Because I would call it a success because, first of all, I'm realistic and I know you have to overpromise to get votes. Sure. I get it. Like, you're not going to get elected by saying, you know what? I think in my eight years, I might be able to partially change a law over here. Yeah. Who's going to vote for you? Nobody. Like, dude, have you heard some of this BS out of people's mouths? Um, I'm going to build a wall in Mexico, pay yeah, for it? Yeah, yeah, Come on. Come <laughs> on. That's ridiculous. Like, but that's what people want to hear. Because sure. people love grandeur. People love greatness. Um, now, I mean, from a standpoint of what he did, to be able to move the healthcare system that much, that was gigantic. Right. Um, now... I'm going to take a little bit of credit away from him for a second because it also relied on the Supreme Court changing, okay. which is something he had no control over. Right. You know that during the Supreme Court, they could have just shut him down and that would have been the end of it. Right. Because the whole argument was, should you be forced to pay for something just to exist? And most people would have considered that unconstitutional. Right. So there was a lot of... Even though he pulled it off, there some was, luck involved. There was so definitely some luck involved in that one. Now, the average listener can hear what you're saying and make a deduction on who you would vote for because of the logic that you broke down. Of course, I think you should be able to figure it out. Now, why why is it that people are scared to not scared? That's a wrong word. Forget I said that. Why is it taboo to talk about? I have this memory being in Camarillo. It was somebody from Jubilee Church that I had a crush on, and for some reason we started talking about politics. And she was like, I'm not going to tell you who I'm going to vote for. And I'm like, why? I'll tell you who I'll vote for. Like, I didn't, I didn't see... If, if you put your values on the table, which we do, it seems like your candidate should be obvious, almost. Yeah. So why, why do you take that stance of, oh, I'm not going to say... Me personally? Yeah. 
You personally? Um, me personally, because I, as a, I, I don't believe. Is I, this a marketing ploy? No. <laughs> Not at all. It actually has to do with everything that I believe all politicians are just regular people. Okay. And I don't put my faith in politicians. Okay. And I think at any time they can let me down. Got it. And I don't want to put my name on someone who lets me down. Right. So if you're, making, if you're making a calculated move based on what you think can get the most work done, you don't want to connect yourself with their I don't reputation. Wanna, I don't want to say, like, dude, tomorrow, let's say, let's say John Kasich. Let's yeah. use John Kasich. Yeah. I put my support to him. Wake up tomorrow and the dude's been found with Asian prostitutes. Sure. Which happens all the freaking time. Sure. Now I look like a douchebag. You know what I'm saying? Politicians are just... Scummy, tools. scummy tool people. They're tools. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to put my endorsement on any of them. Yeah. Like, so I'll go behind and I'll vote for who I think should get the nomination. Yeah. But I, I don't vote for people. I vote for principles. That makes sense. So it's not me trying to be all secretive or whatever. It's just yeah. I don't like some people are like literally, I, and I know what's going to happen. Some of these people are throwing all their, their, all their freaking everything behind these candidates and they're going to be let down. Yeah. Happens every time, right? It happens every single time. Happen- People and- forget. Why do they forget? Is that why they make the elections every four years? Is that the like scientific proven time well, that mean, people can forget it's <laughs> outright like, lies? Well, it's like this. You know, it's, it's, it's all the same. It all goes back to that same thing where we pretend like stuff bothers us, but then we do it on a daily basis. Yeah. And like, you know, like nobody wants to ever admit they're wrong. Like, so... Even if you even if you did this, like, like I'll give you a perfect example. You know, you can literally like with Donald Trump, mm-hmm. he can say something. You can literally pull up a video of him saying the exact opposite. opposite and show it to him. Yeah, him saying it, that ain't gonna change their mind. Nope, doesn't matter. And that's that's what we've lost as a society. See, back in the day, the what was the purpose of the free media in the first place? To be to hold people accountable. That was the purpose. Right. Now the media's are all they're all they have an ideology and they're all they're all profit driven. And they're all uh Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. We were talking about uh, money and I had this question and I, can I, I have forgot some? to bring it up. <laughs> I, oh, I wish. Um can you go back and point your finger at an event? I have one in, in my mind that ruined our you, you said, why do we have the highest GDP, but we're always in debt? Can you point back to a policy, an event, or the birth of an ideology that put us in the wrong direction? Sure can. And what is that? 1994, the Fair Housing Act under the Clinton administration. Are you familiar with that act? I was not expecting you to say that, and I can't say that I am 100%. Okay. So first of all, let's go back to the, uh, let's go back to, this is, my, this is one of my favorite ones. Awesome. And I'm not even saying I'm wrong, but people don't understand, like, people think that, like, if you're in office right now, mm-hmm. whatever happened right then when you were there, it's your fault. No. <laughs> That's not how it works. No, not at There's all. There's been policies that have been in place for 30, 30 years. Right. So, you know, we had the big real estate financial collapse. Right. Okay? So what at the heart of it was the problem with the housing market what happened it was subprime lending yes people were able to state their income and not prove it mm-hmm. and they were getting loans that they couldn't afford to pay back where did those loans come from 
Who made those loans legal? Available, yeah. Who made them available? Fair Housing Act, 1994, under okay. the Clinton administration, made it legal for them to discriminate on that and allowed, because at the time... Well, you mean not discriminate. Not discriminate. Subprime loans were only given to people of a certain status because certain subprime loans were used on a regular basis. So I'll give you an example. Like people with a lot of money who are doing mm-hmm. investments, yeah. they want these subprime loans because they want to flip houses and turn them over, but they don't want to take a big pay increase on the loan real quick so they only take that interest rate loan for a short period of time to just flip. to fix up and flip got it that loan is not meant for the average person got it okay yeah well we now said it's discriminatory not to allow that yeah okay now and people say well it's predatory lending well is it you said everybody can have it so you're saying if it's if i don't give it to these people then i'm actually predatory right so it's a mixture of two things, bad laws and bad practices, bad practices. And you know what? Just general stupidity of the American public. Right. They, and, and, and here's the thing is, and this is where we learn because what happened was they were seeing property values double like 25% increases a year in property values. So they're like, okay, well, I'll take this loan, and I'm in it for this balloon payment is what they're actually called, right. for a year, okay? But it doesn't matter because in a year and a half, there's going to be $100,000 in equity, yeah. and I'll just refinance out of it. Totally. Well, how high did you think prices were going to go before they flattened out? Everybody says real estate always goes up. That so, was the moniker. Well, see, but here's where it got, here's what, there, this is what happened. Supply versus de- demand dictates price, Okay. Right? That's Free how market. So if you have if you have two houses and seventy buyers, what's gonna happen to the price of that home? Skyrocket. Skyrocket. What happens if you have seventy houses and two buyers? Plummet. Okay. Pretty simple concept, right? Absolutely. What you did by these loans is you artificially injected new buyers into the market that were not true buyers. Right. So it artificially increased the value of these price homes. These are not real prices because these people are not qualified to buy these homes. Did you watch the movie The Big Short? Yeah, it was a great movie. It was great movie, yeah. Ryan Gosling was yeah. amazing. Steve Carell. It was incredible. I love, the, I love the very ending of that movie with Ryan Gosling. I said, I was the main character. I didn't say I was the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how did that go on for so long without... That, that movie was so incredible. There was a lot of illegal stuff done to keep yeah. it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and there's no doubt about that. There's a lot of illegal stuff. But what happened is that the heart of it was that law. Right. That was the heart of that law. Where, and we're, we're losing basic common sense principles. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't afford it, you shouldn't buy it. Right. These are basic just moral principles. And I'm not even saying, but see, here's the thing is, at the heart of that law, it was trying to do a good thing. You know what I'm saying? But in practicality, it didn't work. Right. You know? And you... You would think now in retrospect that they would know. Oh, you know, and it's funny. They're starting new loans just like it, and they're yeah. just calling them different names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, the, you broke it down perfectly. You explained the principle of supply versus demand. So how can you put a law into, put it into law and not think that that's going to happen? Yeah, and that's generally what we call crony capitalism. Yeah. Okay, where you artificially manufacture things. Because in my opinion... Free market economics works. Supply versus demand works. Right. But when you inject falsities, if you would call them, then it can't work. So it's like there has to be 50 true buyers to make that property go up. Go up, right. Not just 50 buyers on paper. Right. 
That doesn't work. It had to topple eventually. So let's go back before 94. What was the event before that? Mm, like, a ta- like, a, like a specific... Yeah, because the, the one that I have in my mind, I, I want to see if it's, a, if it's a true determinant or not. Mm, tell me yours. Let me think about it. Tell me yours. So going off of the gold standard. Okay. And having our money backed by pure confidence. Mm-hmm. What effect did that have on the economy? And what are we still dealing with today? Well, believe it or not, I, I, <laughs> it's one of those things where we just decided it's better just stick our head in the sand. Yeah. That's all we've done. Like, we're just like, the, the value of the dollar is completely perception. Yeah. You know, I run social media for a living. And social media, like, people now think the number of followers dictates the size of your company. Those two things are completely irrelevant. Right. I have, I know some companies that are 600, 700 million dollar companies that just started an Instagram account and have like two, like 150 followers. Yeah. And I know people with 1.5 million that followers. That are just an individual. That is just a person out of their house. Yeah. Perception is all that is allowing that dollar to remain there. Right. And it's the strength of the U.S. economy. But there's, other than that, it's just we've decided to just not think about it. So in the, in the spirit of conspiracies, I'm sure you see the same videos going around Facebook that I do. 9-11 ones, those are my favorite. Those are my favorite. Those are your favorite? Awesome. Those are my favorite. I don't know if you want to go Steel down. Steel doesn't burn at that temperature, by the way. I don't know if you want to go down that, that road. <laughs> but people are pointing to the, the JFK assassination, assassination okay. saying that he was pointing a spotlight on the Federal Reserve and their practices that were super shady and that that's why he was killed. Um, now, that... as far as the timeline, when did we go off the standard versus when did the Fed start? Do you know that history? Oh, no, I don't know off the top of my head. No, me neither. I wish I knew that. We could look it up. Right. Um, I would say this, maybe. Or it just might be the civil rights movement. It could have been one or the other. He was a very big proponent of the civil rights movement. Right. Let's not kid ourselves. That was a very, very, very controversial thing. Sure. So. Either way, he pissed off the wrong people. Yeah. Or the right people. Could be the Federal Reserve. Um, Because you know how the Federal Reserve works, right? They print money. Yeah, but it's basically... It's and just, they lend it's it to us. It's basically a private company lending government money to the government. Yeah, so, so every dollar that we is. have has got debt on it yeah. already. So, um, the question... And you know what? Here, and here's the thing is, we love... See, our generation loves to raise heat, but doesn't like to offer solutions. So, you can... I, I'll see 10 million memes that say we got to get off the... Like how bad the Federal Reserve is. Yeah. I'm not really seeing any memes that really tell me how we should fix that issue. Yeah. And that's an extremely complicated issue. Sure. First of all, especially since how much debt are we in? Trillions. So we want to go off the debt with what? 12 trillion in debt? <laughs> what happens to it? Yeah, yeah. What do you want to do with that? You want to just default on everybody's payments to every single country? Pay them back in corn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's an option. Yeah. So it's like, uh, let's like some basic, basic thing. I saw this thing the other day, like last night I had commented on someone. Yeah. Said, you know, if, if corporations, because they have $2 trillion offshore and offshore accounts, mm-hmm. they paid their taxes, we would have free college and our national debt would be paid off. Somebody else posted that in you comments. Yeah. And I said, let me get this straight. $2 trillion offshores. Our current national debt is seventeen trillion. Free college, they said minimally extra tw- ten trillion. Mm-hmm. So let's call it twenty-seven trillion. Two trillion offshores. Twenty-seven minus two. I feel like there's still a lot of numbers in there after that. 
was like 27 to minus 2 still sounds like it's 25 trillion in debt. In their defense, I'm sure they meant over time, not instantaneously. No, 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 no. He actually said, oh, yeah, the numbers don't make sense that way. Oh, it's too and bad. And we love these, like, we love these, we love, like, overall, like, cool-sounding meme concepts. Yeah. But we don't want to get in the dirty and realize that it's a lot more complicated than that. But I feel like on a micro level, it's not that complicated. Well, I, I have no idea what to do with the trillions of dollars in debt, but I know that you and I could fight inflation by using less money and using more bartering, weaning ourselves off of that dollar. Hundred percent true. You, you, you know what? You're actually a hundred percent correct. Yeah. Now the question is, how do we just get the other five hundred million people to participate? Well, I think in small pockets, in small communities, they are doing it. And I, and I guess we're back to that same thing where national is just downstream of a regular community, right? Yeah. So we might be back to that original conversation that we just start in our community, make changes, and then move to a national level. Right. I guess that's the, I guess that's the true answer. The good thing about like living in a, in, a, in a capitalist society is at the end of the day, the consumer controls everything. Right. But you know, they don't know that they control yeah, it. That's the problem. And that's the problem. They don't realize the... Consu- like, you know, we're held to the, the... We're held by the freaking big corporations. No, you're not. You cannot shop at Walmart. You right. could get everybody to stop shopping at Walmart. And you know what happens if Walmart doesn't sell any products? They don't make money. They go out of business. Yeah. And they don't exist anymore. And it's, it's such a small inconvenience to shop locally or to support people that you know that provide the same product at a smaller, bigger rate. And know? I mean, I, and you a little know bit increase. And you know, what's interesting is um, I'm a full blown capitalist. Yeah. My company that I work, that I do my, my brand efficacy, yeah, yeah. 100% American made. That's a standard. Yeah. Where do I buy all my food and stuff from? Trader Farmers Joe's and, small, th- and yeah. small things. You know what I'm saying? That's how I shop. Yeah. I still believe in the I still believe in supporting the American worker. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of people that pretend they do, but they're not. And as, as consumers, and this is human nature, we pretend to care and then we go buy at Walmart. And, or we buy it off Amazon where it was shipped in from China. Yeah. We just, I believe in America workers, but I'm just going to buy it from China right now. That's very true. So... And I was like, I was like, you're buying off Amazon, and I'm guilty of buying off Amazon, but I was like, you're taking money out of, you're you're taking money, away from a small guy, and you're giving it to a gigantic corporation. And we're all guilty of it, and if we truly cared, we wouldn't do that. So the question is, does everybody really care? And they say they care, but do they really care? And I don't know, man. It's a disconnect. There's a major disconnect. Well, I think we've exhausted our political topics. Jeez, no way. We got a lot more. We can <laughs> well, I, I just, mean, I mean, I just don't the, know if you want to go down this. Yeah, anymore, yeah. Man. I just mean the the amount of time, energy, and breath that we have. Versus we didn't the even. Time we spent. didn't even stop. <laughs> we didn't even stop. We just went with it, though, man. I, I, you're right, though. I mean, the the disconnect from people thinking a certain way and their actions not lining up with it. Yeah. And then, it's it's not hard to educate yourself. But once you educate yourself, you have to deal with the responsibility of that information. Everybody has a responsibility in it. Yeah. Like, and unfortunately, in today's world, I'm seeing too much people, they just think somebody else can take care of it for them. Right. And we'll just have the rich pay for it. 
doesn't work that way. And and I think, like take the bailout for example, we see. Hey, you want to go down that route? <laughs> well, just just to make this one comparison, and I might be foolish for thinking that it's that it's that simple, but we see them with that attitude. The bankers saying, "We effed up. We're getting bailed out." So then you have your average worker saying, oh, I had too much debt. I should get bailed out. Very valid point. And in a true capitalist society, neither one of those things should Neither happen. of them would exist. Right. So um, George Bush, in my opinion, made a very unconservative move by doing the bailouts. Yeah. Now, in his defense, and I'm not going to defend G. Bush, G. George Bush very often, <laughs> because he was sitting here at this thing. How many employees were between those companies? Hmm. Couple, few thousand. I'm not sure. Ooh, a lot more than that. Okay. Between all 10, the Goldman Sachs, yeah. the freaking all the real estate, the banks, everything. Yeah. Oh, the whole system, the whole sector. Probably a million okay. employees. Okay. So he's he's sitting here thinking about this. Do I stick to true conservatism and let it fail and rebuild, and let a million people lose their jobs? Now the question is, should he have? Yes. That's a tough call to make, right? Yeah. I don't want to see a million people go out of work. But they're not, ugh. They're, they're unsavory, that word again. Mm-hmm. Those are not the type of people that you'd feel deserve the bailout. Not, not to survive, but to maintain their standard of living. Yeah, but you got to understand, it's, you're not just talking about rich people. You're talking about everybody that worked there. You're talking right. about regular checkers. You're talking about people that had put all their 401ks in the freaking... Like in the system, in the banking system, they right. put, you know, you're talking about regulars, you're talking mostly about middle class people. Right. And it's easy to say in theory that they should have just let it fail. Right. And then, because you can't like create a standard. And, and you're they, right. This creates a standard where people, it creates yeah. a mentality that people just bail out. They should have all gotten e- e-commerce jobs. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you this. I mean, even though I, and it's easy to say, it's easy, it's always easy to Make judgments in hindsight. Yeah. It's always easy to make sense. But if you had that decision in front of you, not knowing the outcome, and I have to let this fail based on principle that true economics does not bail people out, but I'll also be responsible for about a million people losing their jobs. It's a tough decision to make. Sure. Politically it is. But morally it's not, right? I don't know. I think it's still a moral decision to make. Okay. Yeah, because here's the thing is, even if I hate the banks... I still don't want a million people to lose their jobs. You know, regular guys just su- supporting their family and stuff like that. There's a lot of regular people that were in that that would have been hurt by that. So it's tough, man. I mean, would I have a problem with if it was if it was a, a thousand millionaires that were going to lose their jobs with a yeah. bunch of money? Pfft, easy decision. Easy decision. Easy day. Now let's talk about a mom and dad with a couple kids and a mortgage. They're in debt. Now let's talk about those people. I would argue that those people are not providing an essential service. And that's possible. Um, hey, however you want to justify it, man. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that they deserve to be out on the street. You got a time, time thing we got to go? Nope. Okay. I wouldn't say that they deserve to be out on the street and lose their jobs. But I would say that the market would determine that because their service is non-essential that okay if you have this remember we were talking about medical professionals providing services to people who have life-threatening injuries yeah 
if you knew you had two people, you can only save one. They're both bleeding out. And one is a blue-collar worker. What, what's the most essential blue-collar job for a daily survival of a community? Plumber came to mind, but that can't be right. Mm, I'd probably say like, like, a, like a power lines or electrical worker to, electrical make electricity worker. So, to keep your electricity on. That's one. And then the other provides title insurance. Hey, I used to do title insurance. Don't hate on title one insurance. Of my, then two of my best friends used to do title insurance. Yeah, we so we're not essential. <laughs> who'd, who'd, exactly. So for the better, for the um, good of the community, who do you save? That one medical professional who's got to make a judgment call. They're both bleeding out at the same rate. You save the more essential person, right? Yeah. yeah. That's just a logical... Yeah. So... That was my point for the for the bankers. Yeah, and I mean, um, which you can definitely make an argument for. Yeah. Which, but I'm just saying, if the decision came down to you right now, and you were going to be responsible for continuing to try the right play for long term, the system, yeah, might be to let everybody fail, lose yeah. their jobs. Yeah. But faced with that decision, sure, that's a hard decision. And to that make. was that in his second term. When that bailout happened, it was right. It was definitely in a second term. I remember. Um, I'm not sure when it happened. 2000, 2004. It was, it his was first was the war. Yeah, so that was his second term. No, no, no. His first war. His first. His first term was when the when the. 2011. Or 2001. 9/11. Sorry, that was his yeah. first term. 2000. And the the banks was 2007, 2008. So that was the yes, end of his it second was, term. Because, yes, it was. So, so that's just vanity play right there. Like, he shouldn't have had worried about his legacy. He should have just done what was right for the long term of the economy. Maybe. <sighs> hey, you're speaking like, like a true capitalist right now. <laughs> actually, more than I am right now. That's, a, that's actually a more libertarian capitalist yeah. view than I'm even making right now. Right. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe you can make that argument. So what what do we do? What what do we tell our younger brothers and sisters and our kids to put their energy towards to fixing the issues that we care about? Well, that's a tough one because now you got to diff- well what we you and I have? yes personally well we're going to instill what we personally believe on our kids. Okay, and my personal philosophy is that everything. Freedom trumps everything. Okay. Okay. So I, that's the foundation overall um, umbrella concept. Okay. And then within that, it's compassion. Okay. Not the reverse. So, and then, so depending on where they are financially and everything like that, where the economy is, I mean, I would just want to make my kids, I just want to set them up to be able to take care of themselves. That's my goal. Okay. Um, I want them to be able to take care of themselves without any government involvement at all. That's my goal. And whether, whatever it takes, depending on the circumstances, that's what I'm going to do. That seems like a very reasonable, but, but low. you're shooting low. I guess my question is more, we both don't like big government. We both think politicians are scum. But we also agree that everything is political. Right? Mm-hmm. So in our communities... You know, we can support the hospitals. We can support the educations, the, the higher institutions of educations. So 
what do we tell them to put their activist time towards? Well, that was the hard Well, this question. is what I'll tell you. This is going to sound a little bad, unfortunately. I'm under the impression that when my kids get to that age, yeah. they're not, that's not going to be their concern. What's going to be their concern? Their concern is going to be from not trying to go war with their neighbor. That's my concern. Yeah. That's why my... And now, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. That's why I'm saying my goal is for them to be able to take care of themselves. Right. Now, let's say I'm completely wrong. Then, then I would go down those routes of the things you're talking about, like bigger things about investing in um, where to put their energies on a daily basis. Okay. As part mm-hmm. of education and, you know, um, with... Like helping in the or whatever, yeah. whatever it is, um, I don't think that's going to be their primary concern when they're of our age. So when you look at these, these movies, these dystopian futures, I was watching Book of Eli last night on TNT. Good movie. Good movie. How far off is that from what you see happening in the next fifty years? Ooh, that one's pretty far off. I think. Um, that one's really extreme. Well. <laughs> okay, so let's let's break down that movie real quick. Basically, yeah. what happened? Basically, what all it is is it's the it's the after effects of a nuclear war. Right, nuclear fallout, nuclear um, winter. Do we have the technology for that? Absolutely. Uh huh. What does it take for that to happen? Not much. Egos. Yeah, that's it. Do we have any egos in this world? Um, a couple. Okay. That could happen at any time. Any time. I don't think that's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think it's going to be more of a slower, I think it's going to be devolving. a slower, um, and it's going to be based on, I really think, I think it's going to be completely dependent on how the U.S. acts. Because I think once the U.S. loses its superpower, okay. I don't think there's anything to control the world anymore. I and they're going to lose their superpower when and How? Well, we're going to lose the superpower. We're, we're currently losing our superpower now. So every day when you inject... Um, first of all, what, what skyrocketed the U.S. to the number one in the first place? What, what, the economy is what did it. Oh, okay, yeah. I was That's gonna, what the economy, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna the economy is what made the U.S. number one. Okay. Okay? Because you, when you have the most resources, you get the most toys. That's what runs an economy. We don't have... We're not a country, we're not a country rich on natural resources... Like the like the Middle East is right. Everything is we did is based off of our invention and our capitalist society. So all you have to do to take down the superpower is get rid of our capitalist system, hmm. and we'll drop down to everybody else because we'll no longer be a superpower because we no longer have resources. Because right now, right now, you know the war in Afghanistan and all that stuff. It's not a war. It's not a war. If we wanted it to be a war, this would be over in five minutes. Because Afghanistan versus the United States of America, it's like we've me. We've got a lot more toys. It's like me fighting a two-year-old. Right. Okay. We can literally take five of our plan- our best planes out there in the middle of the night from t- fifteen miles away. Yeah. And flatten the entire country. Yeah. It's not a war. It's a it's it's a political war. Yeah. So, eventually, we're not going to have that though. Eventually, we won't have that massive power. Eventually, we won't have the best technology. Eventually. And then there's not going to be... And then we're going to be all in the same playing field. And then once that happens, then it's 
who's ever, it's ever who's in craziest, who's in power. Because you never get to choose the grounds on which your enemy is willing to fight. Right. And what that means is, let's say you and I have a conflict, okay? You're crazy and you go all balls to the wall militaristic. I can't sit back and say, hey, let's not do that. I don't let's get have to a meeting choose. instead. I don't get to choose that. If you've chosen violence, if you've chosen violence, I don't have a choice but to use violence. Right. I don't get to choose the grounds on which a, a war fought. So once all level heads are gone and technology is plentiful. And it won't even be level. We'll be at a disadvantage because we're so used to our posh mm-hmm. lifestyles yep. and think that we're well, immune. Other, right now we're just so comfortable and all these other countries are trying to race up. Yeah. It's like the big dog on the top of the hill. Everybody's yeah. there hungry and they want it. But we've gotten too comfortable. Yeah. So. It's a problem. That'll play out. I don't know. What's your move? Where are you going to move to? <sighs> Where am I going to move to? I ain't moving anywhere. <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean out of the country. I just meant like, what is your move? Uh, I'm thinking differently because I have a kid on the well, way. Well, I'll tell you this, what my, like my personal plan is. Yeah. Well, luckily we have something in this country called state sovereignty. Yeah. Okay. And if you're unfamiliar, I know you're familiar with it, but for anybody else, state sovereignty is where each state gets to dictate their own laws and tax codes and everything like that. So I, as a business person, am going to start looking at moving my businesses out to states that are more friendly, friendly towards that. Yeah. So, um, towards more of my belief systems. Right. So I will not stay in California. Um, and I'll be moving somewhere that I find more appropriate. There you go. So, and uh, kind of hanging with people that kind of more f- match my lifestyle and what I want to do because that's how people work. They move towards, Gravitate towards what they fish are. flock together or however that saying goes. Yeah. And then we can go into that, how that's a cultural problem and then how it's creating tension among cultures within our country. We can go down that route another time. No, let's, let's, go, down a, let's go down a more sentimental route. Oh, geez Louise. What... What is your favorite? You know what? I really appreciate you having me over during this time of everything that's going on. Because, like I said, I'm about to have a kid next week, Mm -hmm. which is a huge change. Congrats. Thank you. And I think the best gift that we can give one another as humans is perspective. Yeah. And so when you you lose a life and a life is coming, that's a huge balance, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you lost somebody recently. Yes. Was that a, would you say a, a best friend? Uh, yes. He a was great my, friend. He was my best friend for 25 years. So, and he's gone. And he's gone. Not coming back. I'm at a loss for words. I mean, when I saw the news, I was working. Via social media. Via social media. <laughs> and I, I cried. You know, right. I, I had really... Oh, you knew him. Yeah. Yeah, you knew him well. You know, go, go ahead. You know, the trippy part about it for me, I'm going to flash back to I remember I was about 10 years old. Yeah. And I remember being in class with a kid. I'm not 100% sure I remember his name. And I remember him not coming to school. And I remember him hearing that his dad had died. Yeah. I thought that was crazy. 
And then I was just sitting here the other day and I was like, now we're, now we're those people. I was like, we are now those people. And now that kid that I'm sitting down that I was sitting with his son, that's that kid now. Unreal. And now that kid has to navigate the rest of his life with no dad. Yeah. And dude, I mean, we were lucky. We had dads, you know? I mean, I don't know how I would have navigated the world without it. So, and I mean, we're talking about how much crazier it is in today's world than Mm -hmm. it was with all the access and stuff like that to navigate. Right. And then not having anybody to guide you through that. That's brutal. Don't wish that on anyone. Not at all, man. Not at all. I was going through my Facebook friends list for whatever reason. I was looking for somebody. And I noticed, this was a couple weeks ago, that three people on there had passed away. And nobody had deactivated their account. Um, Once you die, you can't deactivate your own Facebook account, obviously. And it made me pause and be grateful for a moment, just of life and health. And then, you know, a week later, I find out about your friend's passing. And I was like, now it's four. And just... Getting older, and when when did it happen? Like, when did we become adults that have the problem of your friends dying? Well, I hate to say it, but um, it's happening younger and younger every generation. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to really go down that route. No. But, I mean... I mean, we're, we're just seeing a lot more of it. I mean, we have the biggest technological, you know... I had this conversation recently. You know, we got the best, like, uh, um, like medicine-wise, how much have we approved over the last, like, 150, 200 years? Like, right. insane, right? Yeah, exponentially. But then we're creating technology that creates all new diseases yeah. and everything a day. Yeah. So all we're doing is fighting technology that we're creating. Yeah. So it's like, how many more diseases are now sprouting up because of this technology? All we're doing is fighting technology. Like, you go out now, now you carry your cell phone on us, it's giving us radiation, you know, whatever. Mm. We don't know. And nobody knows the long-term effects of having your cell phone in your pocket all day. I used to have phantom vibrations in my pocket. That's hot. With with the older model phones. (laughs) So, I don't think we know what we're in store for. Um, What's your favorite memory of of your your friend? I don't know if you're... I I cracked a joke on this Facebook page when we were doing because, you know, the day after, like, the family, like... uh, um, you know, posted about it and yeah. everybody's heartbroken and everything. And now by that time, everybody was learning about it. Yeah. But I mean, I'm already in day two of it. So yeah. I'm already past the initial shock and everything like yeah. that. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to lighten up the mood a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, I remember this one time when I, and I wrote on there and I was like, I remember this one time when we were 12 years old and he spent the night at my house and he woke me up in the middle of the night and dared us to eat an entire jar of pickles. And I said, and I said, we're so rebellious back then. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I also remember he had the ugliest haircut in my entire life when we were in high school. Yeah, was it the one with the shaved on the side and Dude, long in the back? He only had one strip of hair on the front. You remember how people were doing just bangs, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was green. And it came down to like below his chin. Yeah. And it was just one strip of green hair. <laughs> And every single day I told him I was going to shave that ugly thing off. (laughs) That's so funny. You know, 
I don't know. There's something, especially men. I call him every day and I say, "What's up, slut? What's yeah. up, hoe?" Yeah. There's such a there's such a, uh, a I don't know when you become when you can talk to somebody like that. Yeah. That's like a different level. It is. You know what I'm saying? You have a lot of friends, you know, but uh, not many people where you just like literally like I saw, I saw something recently where it says um, um, a friend will ask to, if they can have something out of your refrigerator. And then a best friend is the person that you have no food in your refrigerator. Is the reason you have no food in your refrigerator? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Yeah. Because, you know, so Josh was Josh. I mean, him and his brother. Yeah. I grew up with them. Yeah. We met when we were like eight years old. Mm -hmm. So he's truly been the person. They've been the people that I've known more than everybody. So. That that part of, of my life... I mean, it, it was weird for me because I jumped around schools and, and homes so much um, throughout middle school and high school. But when you see people that are rebellious in that way and that express themselves to the fullest, you it frees you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I, I knew that I could express myself because of the way that you guys are expressing yourself. Yeah. And my household wasn't like that. No. It wasn't, oh yeah, whoever, bring them over. It's all love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was my, literally, that was my first exposure to an environment like that. Yeah. And so that's, that's, why, that's why it has such an important place in, in my, in my oh, formative God. memories. The good old days. Yeah. And you don't even know that the good old days. You don't. You don't have any idea. You don't. Youth is wasted on the young. I know. I, that's the best statement I've ever heard. Right? That is the best statement I've ever heard. There's so many cliches like that, but... It's so true, They're though. so true. Yeah. I think I came up with a new one. What do you got? I think I made one. You got it. I said, um, uh, family relies on each other, but friends take care of each other. Hmm. Yep. There's a difference, right? Yep. Yep. I like that one. Yep. I coined it. I like it. You should put it on a meme, dude. People just get like a thousand shares. Right? People live their life by that. <laughs> and then you should put who you're... And then vote this person at the end. Yeah. Like that, and then put that at the very bottom. Well, you know, you know what I got from our whole um, political discussion today? Besides a bunch of, of knowledge. Was that freedom trumps... What was it you said? Freedom then... Compassion. Uh, yeah. Freedom and, then compassion. Now, but you got to put that in context. You have to put that in context. Because if you just say freedom trumps compassion, well, that just sounds insensitive. I, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, but I'm just, you, I'm just right, saying. Right, right, but right, you right. have to put it in context. The, because, the umbrella of, I'll say priorities, or the flow chart. And that's, I hesitate to agree with it wholeheartedly. But I fully understand and appreciate why it's important yeah. to make the distinction. Because it's the same thing like this, you know. In the United States, while we have our problems, donates eighty cents of every dollar to charity in the entire world. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because only people with excess give to charity. Yeah. Because you can't give to charity if you don't have anything to give. Right. Now, are some people poor, do stuff? Sure. But only people with excess can actually give stuff away. Right. And only freedom can allow you to create that to be able to do generous. Now, 
I can't stop anybody from being a greedy bastard. Mm-hmm. Okay. But for myself, I can create something and I can give access and I can do something great with that. Yeah. And I encourage that. I encourage people to do good with their money and help people and everything like that. But at the end of the day, I also understand that some people aren't. But I also don't believe in giving up that right because of a couple people that are greedy. So That's a perfect note to end on, I think. I think we're done. I appreciate you, man. I love you, bro. That was good. Do you you have any charities that you want to promote? Or if somebody listens to this and they're like, I have extra money, I want to donate, I want to help. All right, well, I actually am involved with two charities. Yeah. Um, both actually have to do with Haiti. Okay. So personally, so um, for my day to day job, I'm with something called Souls for Souls. Okay. Which they're do you spell it like souls, funny way? like souls, like somebody's uh, like S O U L soul in your heart, and then the soul of shoes, soul of your feet. Okay. So souls because they deal in shoes. Got it. And then uh, personally, I do one called the Six Ten Project. Okay. And what they do is they do um, education in Haiti. Okay. How I fell into Haiti, random. Yeah. Um, people said, why are you helping people in Haiti when you could be helping Americans here? I was like, well, I'll tell you one thing. First of all, people are people across the world. Yeah. And here, you know what? People have all the resources they need to get everything you did. There, they literally don't have resources. So you can criticize me for taking charity work outside the U.S. Yeah. And it's legitimate, but... From what I've seen, they're worse off now than they were the day after the earthquake. And they're, well... They're I don't know if that's good. true. It might be an exaggeration, but... Well, I, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's not good. How do people get there? So soulsforsouls.com is it Yeah, soulsforsouls.com. I think it's .org, actually. .org, And okay. then the Haitian pro, the, the 610project.org. So the number six, number 10, or is it spelled out? 610, number. Okay. 610 project. 610 project. So Google so. those, check them out. And uh, do something good with yourself. Don't just sit back and bitch on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. How long did that go for? 240. Two hours and 40 minutes. Two hours and 40 minutes we did that? (laughs) I'm the Black Joe Rogan. I'm just kidding.
what they told ya. Now you do 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 what they told ya. My personal philosophy is uh, pissing people off mostly. Talk is cheap, motherfucker! 